following radio programs are original broadcasts. While enhancements have been made to the audio for clarity and listener enjoyment, no other edits or modifications have been made. The listener may hear advertisements and notices for tobacco products, alcohol, food, and or services that may no longer be available, nor are they endorsed by whose blind life is it anyway. Listener discretion is advised. Hey everybody, this is Pepsi Mama, and I'm welcoming you to today's arts, February, uh, February, oh Lord, May 7th, and uh, yeah, it's been a long time since we've been here, I've, I've missed it, and I hope y'all have missed it too. Um, if you want to listen to us live, we hope, we hope you like what you hear, but if you want to listen to us live, you can listen to us on YouTube, Twitter, or Facebook. Uh, YouTube and Facebook is Whose Blind Life Is It Anyway? Any, Whose Blind Life Is It Anyway? Yeah. Get my tongue wrapped, unwrapped from my nose and I'll be doing good. Um, you think so? I tell you what, y'all, I've had a, I've had a crazy two days with Apple, but I think I finally got my new iPhone 14 Pro working, and, uh, but, ooh, I like to lost a bunch of things, but I didn't, and so now, <laughs> now it's all good, uh, and I can blame it on my co-host, Victor. I don't so, know, uh, I don't know why I can blame it on him, but, you know, it's just, he's just kind of nice to have around for that stuff, but anyway, no, seriously, my co-host is Victor Gouveia, he's the one who pretty much runs the show, he's the, he's the tech geek, um, she lets me think that, and, uh, <laughs> well, it's better than letting you think the truth, huh, mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, but anyway, if you, um, can't get us live for whatever reason you're busy or whatever you can listen to us on uh, most any podcast player uh, that you have or any place that does uh, podcast Spotify uh, Apple um, Google Google um, Pot, uh, pot, pot, yeah. Oh, anyway. <laughs> anyway, just about anywhere you want to except Audible. I, uh-huh. I keep trying to remember to say that because I always forgot to say it before and I'd rattle off all these podcasts that you could listen to it on and now it's just the opposite. I'm trying to remember <laughs> yeah. to, to say except Audible and then I forget what I want to say. But anyway, um... So today, we're gonna. I thought I would do some gun smoke with you for you. Um, I have six episodes. They're half-hour episodes, and the interesting thing is that uh, Victor and I were just talking a while ago about how uh, uh, Matt Dillon wasn't on the first couple of episodes. In fact, what I'm going to be playing for you first, they called it. Uh, audition one and audition two, although, uh, yeah, they were pilots, but that's what they called them. Now, Victor found them called something else, but. No, no, uh, they were called pilot episodes. 
but uh, in my list, I don't know. I actually don't know why they why they put it as audition. Well, those are the first two they did, so you know. Yeah, and they that, a lot. I've noticed that a lot of them they do that way. That's uh, when they were shopping it around. So for one of the big studios to buy. So the first the first couple of guys was not um, was not William Conrad. They were who did we say they were? Howard somebody and. Rye Billsbury and uh, Howard Culver. Yeah. And um, so then, but when they finally did get to um, Matt Dillon, William Conrad uh, played it. And uh, they, but they didn't put him on the TV show. I reckon they decided he was too fat. <laughs> he couldn't jump off that horse fast enough, I guess. Or I guess they sprayed if he did tumble off, he'd go in a big heap and bust something. So, uh, but no, really, I don't, I don't know that much about him other than what I've read. But I mean, uh, well, when they first, when they first ordered the show, they asked for <clears throat> a hard-nosed detective, uh, type of episode because it was fresh off the moment. Yeah. Yeah, and 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 he and he he does play a hard-boiled detective good. So uh, even when he had his TV show in the '70s called Cannon, uh, he was a private a private eye then. And uh, so uh, I'm sorry, who are we talking about? William Conrad. Oh, we're not talking about William Conrad. We're talking about the first two pilot episodes. Well, yeah, but what I what I said to the ladies and gentlemen that was after those two and everything got settled down, they had William Conrad playing the the lead role. Uh huh. So that's that's all I was saying. I was just talking about when he left. If they thought he was, if they thought he was so big, why did they put him in canon? Well, I guess he didn't have to react as quickly. In something like that, as he would a western, where you got to jump off and shoot somebody or kill them. Or <laughs> well, I also noticed that the first two episodes were markedly different from the others, because the first two episodes, the first one is in the style of a hard-boiled detective novel, but the, the second one, one is in a comedic style because yeah. they didn't know whether to go with comedy or. A serious show. Yeah, I found that interesting too, and I was just gonna uh, get about ready to say something about that. But I'm glad you brought it up because uh, I found it kind of strange when I was listening to it because that's wasn't how I was used to hearing it. So well, yeah, I can't imagine comedy in the West. <laughs> yeah. Well, sometimes it happens, but uh, but anyway, um, so I guess we'll get on with the first one. It's called Audition One or Pilot One, whatever you want to call it. And so uh, here we go.
of the violence that moved westward with young America. The story of one man who moved with it, Mark Dillon, United States Marshal. On the western plains With a ton of fight And an ounce of brains Who herds the cows As he robs the train And goes by the name of Cowboy He was part of it A singing saddle bum A cowboy A drifter They all drifted here to Dodge City One time or another The end of the track And the start of the wilderness The dumping ground of odds and ends The beginning The leftovers the place to stop and take the kind of pleasure you need. The place to pass through. Sometimes it's a place to die. My part of it was a sun-charred shack rent paid by the United States government. And a marshal's badge furnished free. I was at the window watching the heat plump itself with Kansas dust and roll in towards the town when the door opened. Your name, Dylan? You the United States marshal? She was about 50. Hat, coke bonnet, dress, gingham. Shoes, beaded Indian moccasins. I heard about you in Gulgai. They said there was a city marshal here. Been living for six months running. Well, they've been lying to you. Four months. They say you can break a man's heart at 50 yards. They say you and your guns already done that. What's on your mind? I want you to saddle up and get down to Gulgai. Why? My husband. My husband owns the White Buffalo. Roulette, music, drink. They say the roulette wheel's crooked. Look, ma'am. Half the roulette wheels in the West are probably crooked. Maybe. But in Gougei, they kill a man for running a crooked wheel. Well, look, ma'am, I Abigail don't... Abigail Contuarius, that's my name. Yeah. Well, Mrs. Contuarius, you don't need a marshal. You need an honest husband. That wheel's no more crooked than you are. He's wise from all I hear about you. If it was, I wouldn't take none of the money he's won from it. Oh, sure. Don't sure me, marshal. The money don't just mean money to me. It means books for Indian kids and writing stuff, slates and all. Oh, Missionary. Huh, me? With a gambler and a philanderer and a toper for a husband? I teach Indian kids, that's all. Teach them to behave and a little learning, that's all. That's good work, ma'am. These towns could use more people like you. Never mind that. If I don't get help, those kids will go back to their wild ways and I'll have a dead husband. You coming? Do I have to ride that mule some more? Ride it back to Gougei. I'll be alone. Make it soon, Marshal. There'll be a convulsion down there if you don't. It was night when the town of Gaujai came out of the wilderness and beckoned to me like a painted skinny hag. If Dodge City had a tougher sister, this was it. I rode up to the White Buffalo and started to tie my horse to a hitching post whittled to the shape of a Pawnee girl when... Suddenly, the gun in my back told me I wasn't alone. You won't like it here, Marshal. Pretty as it is, you won't like it. No? No, and uh, don't turn around, Marshal. I'm shy and I'm modest and I embarrass easy. Isn't that so, Harold? <laughs> you see, Harold thinks it's so. Harold had his tongue clipped. Apaches. Maybe it was too long. Oh, no, that's not a genteel thing to say to Harold Marshall. He takes offense. I'm new here. Back in Dodge City, the etiquette's a little more formal. Then go back to Dodge. We're very happy here in Gougei. Like little birds. You could spoil it. I was invited. Special invitation. Well, the party's over. Now, Harold, now! Something lashed out across my skull. A bead of glass splintered my brain. From far, far away, I heard some words. Like I said, Marshal, you won't like it in Gaudai. I wanted to kill him, but I couldn't. 
I didn't know who he was. I hadn't seen his face. But I knew I'd never forget that voice and that crazy giggle. When I opened my eyes, I was in Gaujai's dirt. I picked myself up and waited till the town stopped its dizzy dance. On its third time round, I spotted a horse car. I stuck my head and get rid of the blood on my face. I finally pushed my bones to the swinging doors of the white buffalo. It was the usual kind of place, like Mrs. Contrary said. Roulette, music, drinks. I got halfway across the floor toward the bar, then I saw her and heard her. Slender, hair molded black, and something profane and exquisite distilled into her features. She looked at me, and when she spoke, it was as if she hadn't quit singing. What as much as she Oh, a marshal. A marshal with a new scar and a muddy badge. <laughs> You buy a drink, huh, Chico? Here's a buck. Buy yourself an egg. Where can I find the owner? Over there by the poker table. The goatee and pompadour. Thanks. Hasta la vista, Marshal. Yeah, I'll be seeing you. <laughs> Your name, Contuarius? Si. Oh, the Marshal from Dodge City. Oh, you have the look of a large headache, senor. Yeah, someone else besides you and your wife was expecting me. Oh, muy my bad. It wasn't good. So I see. But I'm glad you have come, senor Marshal. Look around. You see my place? The white buffalo, sole proprietor and owner, me, Rafael Ramon Jose Contuarias. Magnificent establishment, no? Mm-hmm. Looks like your magnificent establishment takes plenty. For weeks now, I'm losing money on the roulette wheel. Still, people say it is crooked. Oh? Someone is swindling me, senor. This someone I swear I will kill, dead, unless you find him for me first. That is why my wife comes to you, asks you to come to Gauja. She had a little difference. She's afraid this someone might kill you first. Oh, Oh, see, that might happen. But not so long as he can swindle me. Why kill the chicken with the golden egg, senor? Mm-hmm. Well, let's have a look at this wheel of yours. Ah, see. Si. Follow me. Well, Brad, number Who's 12. your spinner? Greg Hagen. This could be any territory. Uh-huh. Suppose you let me look around myself. Ah, you wish, senor? You find that someone who is swindling my wheel. See? I'll give it a try, Mr. Contrarius. Bueno. Antoarius left me alone. I watched the table for a while. Nothing happened. Wheel didn't look crooked, and if it was being swindled, it was done clever. Finally, I moved around near the croupier. Hagen. Yeah? See you a minute. What for? Oh, Marshal. Yeah. Bill, take over for a minute. Okay, Marshal. What can I do for you? This joint legitimate? Why ask me, Quantuarius? I know, sole proprietor and owner. Rumor has it the wheel's rigged, is it? Suppose it is. Well, then, I could win. You could win, too. Maybe 25% of what I win, and Contarius wouldn't know. Keep talking. We both got to live 50%. Now get this. Contarius is my friend. Sorry I made a mistake. No hard feelings? Plenty hard feelings. I think I like it better back at the table. Look around yourself. Make up your own mind about the wheel. I did. Mostly, I hung around the roulette table. 
As far as I could see, the wheel was giving the house and the customers an even break. Just about the time I started to walk away, two new players came up to the crowded table. One pasty face, handsome, a weak chin sort of way. The other, a big silent hulk of a man with a drooping lower lip. They didn't seem to be together or even know each other. On the next spin, the ball fell into 29. Bounced out, rolled around 13. Finally, settled in double O. Just as it did, Pastyface reached out and put a $100 bill on double O. Greg Hagen, the croupier, looked up and spoke soft but fast. Sorry, mister, you placed your bet after the ball settled. The house can't accept it. I had that $100 down before you started the spin. Pay me off. Sorry, mister, the house says you take back your money. Punk, where are you? Pay me, brother, before I make brush out of this joint, and you first. Any trouble, Greg? Yeah, this man placed a bet after the ball dropped. Ah, he's crazy. I had the bet down at plenty of time. So sorry, senor. The croupier is always right. Take your bill from the table. And if you please, get out. He did. Fast. Too fast. As he went, I started to remember his voice. I'd heard it before. It was the voice behind my back when I first hit town. And all of a sudden it made sense, and I knew I'd found out one way the Spaniard was getting rooked. Pasty face on the house for a team. When Pasty Face picked up the bill, there was a blue chip under it, a double O, and the house paid off to the Hulk. All according to Hoyle, except for one thing. The Hulk hadn't placed any bets. It was a good stunt. There had to be more to it than that, so I gave Contuarius a nod and followed Pasty Face as he left. I got out of the casino just in time to see him disappear around the corner. I took it easy. Polite and easy. <coughs> and a bullet nubbed the dust at my feet. I ducked into the shadows and whipped out my guns. A flash had come from a narrow passageway between two buildings. I'm in this alley, Marshal. Come on in and get me. Wait right there, kid. I'm waiting. He was in there somewhere. In that long slab of night that was too black to see through. Somewhere in there. I put my back against the wall and slid in. Strike a match. I want to see your face when it happens to you. Try me. <laughs> no, Marshal. You shoot first. You'll miss. You know that, Marshal. But I won't, because your gun flash will tell me where you are. Real clever. And that was clever what you did back at the White Buffalo. Honest, Engine? Now, tell me about it. You and your friend. That was Harold, huh? A giggler with a talent for pistol whipping. Tell me some more about it. You throw down a hundred-dollar bill with a blue chip underneath it after the ball drops. You get yourself thrown out. Harold collects thirty-five to one. Did Harold do that? Oh, Harold... Did you do that? <laughs> and there he was, framed in the entrance of the alley. I was caught between them, pasty face and a mute called Harold. The big guns in Harold's hands turned over and over. His face held all the evil in the world. You're all right, Harold. Take him. <laughs> he was shooting waist high along the wall, and he was getting close. There was only one thing to do, and I couldn't miss. You got Harold, Marshal, but you made a mistake. Your gun flash gave you away. When I opened my eyes, I was in a place I'd never been before. Kind of cottonwood clearing. I eased the wound in my shoulder, and from across the smoldering campfire, I saw her. The girl from the white buffalo. The morning sun lighted up the features of a man at her feet. 
It was Senor Rafael Ramon Jose Contuario. And the bullet hole in the middle of his forehead gave him an extra flourish. Now it was Senor Rafael Ramon Jose Contuario's deceased. And the pretty senorita was singing a love song. to Gunsmoke in just a moment. Combining modern detective methods with secrets of the mysterious East, the Green Llama offers CBS listeners a new thrill now on Sundays. Once he has heard of a crime or an injustice, Jethro Dumont, a wealthy young American just returned from ten years in Tibet, brings into play his quick wit and knowledge of illusion to thwart the evildoers. Join him Sunday as he continues his fight against crime on this side of the Pacific, wearing green, the color of Tibetan justice. Aided by Tulku, his trusted lieutenant. The Green Llama is a feature presentation of most of these same CBS stations. Now back to Mark Dillon, United States Marshal, and Gunsmoke. Without dreams. How do you know there were no dreams? Because I saw death give you a little piece of himself. And then right away on a black pony. Yeah, I'm lucky. Who are you? How'd you get here? They call me Tamar. I brought you here. The wagon over there in the burrow. You are more lucky, Chico. The bullet was for your heart. But it sent itself in your shoulder. It was not your time to die. But it was Contrary's time, huh? Perhaps his grave has been empty too long. And you knew him well? See, si. I knew him. Well enough to kill him. I did not kill him. Senor Contrarius was my protector. What did he protect you from? Himself? I like your mouth better when it is gentle, Chico. And who did kill him? <laughs> How would I know? He was there like that when he arrived. Why'd you bring me here? I like you, Chico. That's why I tell you. If you leave, go back to Dodge City. If you die, die in Dodge City. It is not good here for either one. Why didn't Pasty Face finish the job? Right after you were wounded, I came along. I... I persuaded him you were dead. He persuades easy, huh? He persuades easy. Poor Tamar. The shots were heard. People came. Senor Drew does not like attention. Drew? Ah, his name's Drew. But why here? What'd you bring me here for? I thought Conquarius could help you. After all, he was your friend. How'd you know that? I saw you talking together in the white buffalo. But tonight, out of the darkness, death found Conquarius. Conquarius! Conquarius! Where is he? Answer me, woman, or I'll hook with you within an inch of your life. There, senora. Hello, Marshal. Enjoying yourself? Get up, Contrarius. Get up. He's dead, ma'am. He shouldn't be lying there on the cold ground. I lift him into the cart. I will help you, Senora. If you so much as touch him, I'll kill you. Come along. Contrarius. Give me that blanket, Master. You won't need it. Sure. Here, ma'am. 
You're pretty strong to lift him by yourself. I've done it before. You're hurt, Marshal. I'll be all right. You can come, too, if you want to, Marshal. I'll take you back to town. Yes, ma'am. I didn't think she'd make it, but she did. Somewhere on that long wagon ride back to town, she squeezed a tear under the cheek. Just one tear, but for Mrs. Contuarius, there was a major emotion. The sun was doing its best to char the wood frame buildings when we hit Gouja. All right, Marshal. Get out of the wagon. Why bring me back to Gouja? Just so I could pick my own gutter? That door. A check door right over there. Try it. Get up. Oh, come on, Dylan. All you have to do is lift your arm and knock on the door. Yeah. Wow, Marshal. What's the offer this time? A hundred and fifty percent? Hey, you're hurt. Come on in. Thanks. Who sent you here? Mrs. Contuarius. Oh. I'd better cut away that shirt. Why'd she send me here, Greg? Not neat, Marshal. Not neat at all. Why here, Greg? You a duck? Lie still. Get some things. You haven't answered my question. I do things with my hands, Marshal. Spin roulette wheels and extract bullets between spins. You a duck? Yeah, I'm a duck. Was. Had a shingle. Shiny one. And they said I couldn't have it anymore. They had a word for it. Malpractice. They said I did something. What are you looking at? That roulette wheel on the table over there. Tomato, Greg. Don't you get enough practice at the white buffalo? You want this wound fixed or not? Yeah. Yeah, sure. Hey, Greg. Yeah? I once heard about a croupier clever enough to spin a wheel and drop a ball into any slot he wanted. Hit it about once out of five times. Not bad. Once in four is better. What about him? I could mention it to Mrs. Contuarius. Round up you and Drew and go back to Dodge City. Drew? Pasty-faced guy. The guy who pulled the fast trick with the chip and the hundred-dollar bill last night. I didn't know. I refused the bet, didn't I? Yeah, that's what doesn't fit. I'd stop worrying about it if I were you, Marshal. I could keep this wound open and let it bleed. On the other hand, you could take the bullet out. Yeah, I could do that. And I'd owe you something. I wouldn't have to remember you to Mrs. Contuarius. Like this, Marshal. First, I just wanted to tame the wheel. Then it got out of hand. Tamar have anything to do with it getting out of hand? What do you know about... I'm ready to take the bullet out, Marshal. You're going to keep what you know to yourself? Take the bullet out. I'll bite my lip. Yeah. Do that, Marshal. It's a nice pose. I bit my lip, but all I got was pain in my mouth. I didn't need that. There was enough pain. It was a pain that was painted in red and it couldn't decide whether it was a flame or an icicle. When I woke up, Greg was talking to someone. It didn't take long to recognize the voice. You should have let him die, Chico. He will only cause trouble. He's got nothing on me. Only trouble I got is you. Every man in town. You couldn't even leave the marshal alone. Come here, you're crazy. I found the marshal in the cottonwood clearing, like I told you. He was there when I came. Yeah. Keeping your little rendezvous with Contuarius. I warned you, Tamar. I told you if I ever caught you with Contuarius again, I'd kill him, and I did. I'm sorry I heard you say that, Greg. Don't be sorry. 
just leave town. I could have let you die, Marshal. I'm going to take you, Greg. But first, I'm going to give you some advice. Yeah? Get rid of Tamar. One of her stories is bad. Either the one she told you or the one she told me. Don't listen to him, Chico. She told me she brought me to the cottonwood clearing. Persuaded Drew that I was dead. If that's true, then it follows that Drew's cutting your time the same as Contuarius was. You can't kill everybody Tamar takes up with. The marshal talking through his wound, Tamar? He's delirious. He's lying, Greg. I found him in the clearing as I told you. Well, Greg, what do you believe? Me or Tamar? Get out, Marshal. Get out and leave town. Can't, Greg. Not yet. Gotta take you. Also, there's a personal matter to attend to. I could have let you die, Marshal, remember? Yeah. I'll testify at your trial. Kill him, Greg. Kill him now. Shut up. You know, Tamar, you've got too many friends. It's a lie. Everything he says is a lie. Maybe. We'll stay one more night in Gaujai. Just one more night. That's all we'll need. No good, Greg. I'll have to take you. With your shooting arm in a sling? I don't think so. I'll gamble on it, Greg. What odds? I got up and left Greg's shack. He didn't try to stop me. One thing about Greg, he wasn't afraid of me or anybody else. I went back to the white buffalo and waited. About an hour later, Mrs. Contuarius drove up. She was wearing black. She'd just come from her husband's funeral. Send me your good arm, Marshal. I don't want to rip this dress. Yes, ma'am. There you are. Was it a nice funeral, ma'am? Yes, Marshal. The kids behaved real nice. You've done a good job on them, ma'am. Thanks. Come in and have a drink, Marshal. You look peaked. I followed her into the casino. In an hour, I began to fill up. I hid myself behind the stairs where I had a clear view of the roulette table and waited. About eight, Tamar walked through the door. Tamar in a dress of red. Tamar buckled with silver. She strolled over to the table and put some chips on the black as Greg spun. There was no sign of recognition between them. Seven black, seven pays, black pays. Place your bet. On the next spin, Tamar won again. Then she lost. She doubled her bets and won more times than she lost. After a while, she stopped playing colors and switched to single numbers, 35 to 1. She kept on winning, but one out of four, like Greg said. In an hour, there was roughly $20,000 stacked in front of her. Just before she bet number 13, I saw Greg fold his thumb under his palm and rub the side of his face. 13 black, 13 pays, black pays. Lucky. You're very lucky tonight, Tamar. Tonight, senora? <laughs> but I'm always lucky at your tables, no? Not as lucky as tonight. Sorry, man, this is a private table from now on. We can all move to the second wheel right over there. Private table, senora? Yes. Just you and this gentleman. A man Abigail thumbed at over her shoulder was Mr. Drew in person. I put my good hand on my gun and prepared to finish my unfinished business. And I decided to wait for the piece to play itself out. I didn't know what Mrs. Contuarius had in mind, but this show was too good to spoil. Tamar, Greg, and Drew. I don't know. This is my last spin. That's all right, Tamar. All Mr. Drew wants is just one spin. Right, Mr. Drew? Yeah, just one spin with the little lady. But I... Mr. Drew, huh? Yeah. But I do not feel like that again. We'll spin. Once more. Bueno. All of my cheap son, number one. 
Number one, eh? Hey. Yeah, that's a good number. Number one. I'll take 10,000 in gold. On number one. Three red. Three pays. Red pays. Why, you double... Go, go! Greg didn't have a chance. The knife he tried to draw was hammered back by the bullets that tore through his hand and across his chest. Suddenly his face changed. He looked young and hurt. And ashamed of the blood that he couldn't hold back. It'll make me happy if no one tries to follow us. Let's go, tomorrow. He held his guns like they were dogs on a leash that could snap easy. He waited for Tamar to scoop up the money. Then they backed out of the casino. You let him get away, Marshal! I don't think so, ma'am. He knows I'll come and get him. He'll be waiting for me. He'll be wanting to finish me off if he can. And I'm going to give him his chance. I figured there was only one place to look. And there they were. Resting easy in the cottonwood clearing. <laughs> I knew you'd have to come after me, Marshal. <laughs> You're funnier than an actor. I saw one once in Dodge. <laughs> You're funnier. <laughs> Maybe you laugh too easy, Drew. Like to kill too easy. Yeah, Marshal with a gun arm and a sling chasing the killer. <laughs> Go away, Marshal. Go away while there's still time. I got nothing but time. I'll wait. You're wrong, Marshal. You've got no time at all. Yeah? Chico. Chico. This I do not believe. It is impossible that someone could shoot faster than Senor Drew. But with your left hand. Oh, Chico, you are so very quick with your gun. I like that about a man. Take it easy, Tamar. Come on. Let's go. Go? Not now, Marshal. There's time. Sit here. Sit here next to Tamar. Like this? Mm. You know what I think? Chico, Chico, don't talk now. I think he had a great thing with Greg. He could put that ball on any number you bet on. Only that wasn't enough for you. But it doesn't matter now, darling. You thought you could double your profits by throwing in with Drew. Maybe you were going to double cross him, too. I don't know. Don't worry about it, Chico. The money is yours, too. It belongs to Mrs. Contuarius. That's who's going to get it. What? What are you talking about? Take your choice. Come back with me to the jail in Gaojai, or I'll turn you over to Mrs. Contois. I don't think she could stand having you alive. You! Come on. This is the first time I've ever held a gun on a woman. Chico, surely, surely you are playing with me. You're an accessory to murder, Tamar. We go away together. You and I, Mako, New Orleans. Listen to me, Chico. You and I... Let's go, Tamar. Listen. Listen to me. There's plenty of money. Yours and mine. Listen to me. Listen. She put her arms around my neck and her lips close to my ear. And for a long time, for a long, long time, first in English and in Spanish, then in Cherokee, then in a language I couldn't recognize, she whispered at me every foul name in the book. She was talented. She didn't repeat herself once. Tamar didn't understand that a marshal had a job to do, and that the job got done. On the way back to Dodge, I came across a cottonwood clearing I'd never noticed before. I rode down into it, 
A small animal scurried off a log and lost itself in the shadows. And I was alone. And for a time after that, for a long time after that, I thought about Tamar. He'd given her her guitar, but I knew she wouldn't be singing much longer. The rest of the way home, the country was dust. Got inside of my mouth. It stayed there. of the violence that moved westward with young America. The story of one man who moved with it. Mark Dillon, United States Marshal. They all drifted here to Dodge City, one time or another. The buffalo killers, the saddle bums, the spoilers. The end of the track and the start of the wilderness. The dumping ground of odds and ends and beginnings and leftovers. The place to stop and take the kind of pleasure you need. It's a place to pass through, and sometimes it's a place to die. My part of it was a sun-baked shack, rent paid by the United States government, and the marshal's badge, furnished free. I was at the window watching the heat plump itself with Kansas dust and roll in towards the town when the door opened. Your name, Dylan? You the United States marshal? She was about 50, poke bonnet, gingham dress, beaded Indian moccasins for shoes. He said there was a steady marshal here in Dodge City. Been living for six months running. <laughs> They've been lying to you. Four months. They say you and your gun can break a man's heart at 50 yards. It's on your mind. I want you to saddle up and get down to Gaujai. Why? My husband. He owns the white buffalo there. Roulette, music, drinks. They say the roulette wheel's crooked. I'll tell you what to do. There's a fellow here in Dodge City named a Sin Killer Stokes. Saves souls by the bushel. Trumpet playing and everything. You tell Sin Killer about your husband. Gouger, they kill a man who runs a crooked wheel. I don't want my husband dead. Well, look, ma'am, I don't even Abigail know. Abigail Contuarius. That's my name. Yeah. Well, Mrs. Contuarius, you don't need a marshal. You need an honest husband. He's no more crooked than you are. If he was, I wouldn't take none of his money. Sure. Don't sure me, Marshal. Money don't just mean money to me. Means books for Indian kids and writing stuff, slates and all. Oh, a missionary. Huh, me? With a gambler and a philanderer and a toper for a husband? I teach Indian kids. Teach them to behave and a little learning, that's all. Well, that's good work, ma'am. These towns could use more people like you. Don't sniff around me. You marshals are supposed to mean law and order and the rights of decent people. Dodge, I could use some of that. You coming, or do I have to ride my mule some more? Ride it back to Gaujai. I'll be along. Make it soon, Marshal. There'll be a convulsion down there if you don't. It was night when the town of Gaujai loomed out of the wilderness and beckoned to me like a painted skinny hag. If Dodge City had a sister, this was it. I rode up to the white buffalo, started to tie my horse to a hitching post, twiddled to the shape of a Pawnee girl, when suddenly the gun in my back told me I wasn't alone. You won't like it here in Gaujai, Marshal. Pretty as it is, you won't like it. No? No. Don't turn around, Marshal. 
I'm shy. I'm modest. I embarrass easy. Isn't that so, Harold? <laughs> See? Harold thinks it's so. Harold had his tongue clipped. Apaches. Maybe it was too long. Oh, that's not a genteel thing to say to Harold, Marshal. He takes offense easy. I'm new here. Back in Dodge City, the etiquette's a little more formal. And go back to Dodge. We're happy here in Galjai, like little birds. You could spoil it. I was invited. Special invitation. Yeah? Well, the dance is over. Now, Harold, now! I told you you wouldn't like it in Galjai, Marshal. opened my eyes, I was in Galjai's dirt, and I knew I'd never forget that voice and that crazy giggle. I picked myself up and waited till the town stopped its dizzy dance. On the third time around, I spotted a horse trough and stuck my head in it to get rid of the blood on my face. I finally pushed my bones through the swinging doors of the white buffalo. A girl leaned against the bar strumming a guitar. Black hair, slender, and something profane and exquisite was distilled into her features. She watched me across the room, and when she spoke, it was as if she hadn't quit singing. Buenos noches, Chico. Evening. Oh, a marshal. A marshal with a cup face and a muddy bed. <laughs> you buy girls drinks, marshal? Here's a buck. Buy yourself one. Where can I find the owner? Over there by the poker table. Which one? The goatee and pompadour. Thanks. Come back to me, Chico. They call me Tama. Tama, huh? Maybe I will. Your name, Contrarius? Si. Oh, the marshal from Dodge City. <laughs> You already have the look of a large headache, senor. Yeah? Someone else besides you and your wife was expecting me. Muy mal. Too bad. It wasn't good. No, I see. But I am glad you have come, senor marshal. Come, look around. See my place. I have a magnificent establishment here. No? Yes. No. Yes. You know, it would grieve me if I had to part with it. It'd grieve Mrs. Contrarius more, and for a better reason. Senora Contrarius hates it how I get my money, but she takes it for the Indian children. Looks like the takes plenty. No. Every day my wheel loses money. Somebody is swindling me. This somebody, I swear it, I will kill dead. Your wife hinted it might be you who'd be killed dead. <laughs> no one has killed me yet. This I tell myself and it makes me happy. Yeah. Now, let's have a look at this wheel of yours. Of course. Follow me. You see, I have also Pharaoh, Dive, Girl, uh, Dancing Girl. Mm -hmm. And the finest little west of the Mississippi. Number 12. Red page, 12 page. Where's your spinner? I will introduce you to him. Greg. Senor. Un momento. William will take your place. Yes, Mr. Contralius. Greg Hagen, the best croupier in the territory. Greg, I want you to meet Mark Dillon. Marshal of the United States of America. I've heard your name, Dylan. You're from Dodge City. Lately from there. Uh, go count your chips, Contrarius. Hagen and I want to talk. Yes, I leave you gentlemen alone. We want to talk, Marshal? Yeah. Rumor has it the wheel's rigged. Mrs. Contrarius tell you to ask? Maybe. 
Well, is it? Look, Marshal, Contuarius is my friend. Still, a croupier's in a mighty good spot to double-cross the house. Marshal, I already told you, Contuarius is my friend. Sorry, I made a mistake. No hard feelings? Plenty hard feelings. I think I like it better back at the table. Look around yourself, Marshal. Sorrow, I did. Mostly, I hung around the roulette table. And as far as I could see, the wheel was given the house and the customers an even break. Just about the time I was ready to go out and find Contuarius again, two new players wandered up to the crowded table. One in a beaded jacket, the other a silent hulk of a man. They didn't seem to be together or even know each other. On the next spin, the ball fell into 29, bounced out, rolled around 13, and finally settled in double O. Just as it did, beaded jacket reached out and put a $100 bill on double O. Greg Hagan, the croupier, looked up. I'm sorry, mister, you placed your bet after the ball settled. The house can't accept it. I had that $100 down before you started to spin. Ask anybody. I had it down. I want to ask the people. I'm telling you, I had it down. Look, mister, your bet wasn't legitimate. The house recommends you take your money and get out. He did. Fast. Too fast. In another second, I knew the reason why. When Beaded Jacket picked up the bill, there was a blue chip under it on double O, and the house paid off to the silent house. I knew I'd heard Beaded Jacket's voice before. When I first hit town, so I moved fast. I got out of the casino just in time to see Beaded Jacket disappear around the corner. I took it easy. Polite and easy. The bullet nubbed the dust at my feet. I ducked into the shadows and whipped out my gun. The flash had come from a narrow passageway between two buildings. I'm in this alley, Marshal. Come on in and get me. Wait right there. I'm waiting. I'll strike a match. I want to see your face when it happens to you. Try me. <laughs> no, no. You shoot first. You'll miss, you know that, Marshal. But I won't. Because your gun flash will tell me where you are. Real clever. That was clever what you did back at the White Buffalo. Honest engine. <laughs> tell me about it. You and your friend. That was Harold, huh? The giggle with the talent for pistol whipping. Tell me all about it. You throw down a $100 bill with a blue chip underneath it after the ball drops. You get yourself thrown out. Harold, who never made a bet at all, collects 35 to 1. Oh, did Harold do that? Did you do that, Harold? <laughs> and there he was, framed in the entrance of the alley. I was caught between them. Beaded jacket and a mute called Harold. The big guns in Harold's hands turned over and over. His face held all the evil in the world. You're right, Harold. Take him. He was shooting waist high along the wall, and he was getting close. There was only one thing to do, and I couldn't miss. You shot Harold Marshall. That was your mistake. Now it was Senor Rafael Ramon Jose Contuarius, deceased. 
And the girl named Tamar was singing a love song. Back to Gunsmoke in just a moment. Combining modern detective methods with secrets of the mysterious East, the Green Llama offers CBS listeners a new thrill now on Sundays. Once he has heard of a crime or an injustice, Jethro Dumont, a wealthy young American just returned from ten years in Tibet, brings into play his quick wit and knowledge of illusion to thwart the evildoers. Join him Sundays as he continues his fight against crime on this side of the Pacific, wearing green, the color of Tibetan justice, aided by Tulku, his trusted lieutenant. The Green Llama is a feature presentation of most of these same CBS stations. And now back to Mark Dillon, United States Marshal, and... Gun smoke. When they pinned the marshal's badge on me, they said I had a job to do. This morning, my job was a man with a bullet hole in his forehead and a marshal with a wound in his shoulder. The dead man was Rafael Ramon Jose Contuarius. And the marshal was me. And there was a girl named Tamar. You have slept long, Chico, without dreams. How do you know there were no dreams, Tamar? Because I saw death give you a little piece of himself. And then right away on his black pony. Yeah, I'm lucky. How did I get here? Senor Contuarius and I brought you here. The wagon over there in the borough. You are more lucky, Chico. The bullet was for your heart. But it spent itself in your shoulder. It was not your time to die. But it was Contuarius's time to die, huh? Perhaps his grave has been empty too long. And you knew him well? See, si, I knew him. Well enough to kill him? I did not kill him. Senor Contuarius was my protector. What did he protect you from? Himself? I like your mouth better when it is gentle, Chico. Then who did kill him? I do not know. While we were here trying to help you, a bullet came out of the darkness and found Contuarius. How come you picked this place? It is a place in your Contuarius and I knew well. Oh, like that, huh? It is a place where Senor Booth would not look for you if he knew you were still alive. Booth? So that's his name, the man in the beaded jacket. How come he didn't finish me? When we heard the shot, Senor Contuarius and I ran out of the white buffalo. I, uh, persuaded Senor Booth that you were dead. Booth persuades easy, huh? <laughs> He persuades easy for Tomar. The shots were heard, people came. Then your booth does not like too much attention. Well, he's going to get all of mine, Tomar. Undivided. I don't advise it, Chico. If you live, go back to Dodge City. If you die, die in Dodge City. Oh, wait. The senior Contuarius in the borough car. Where is he? Where is he? Answer me, woman. Answer me. There, senora. Behind the marshal. The marshal? <laughs> Hello, marshal. They said you'd been killed. Get up, Contuarius. Get up. He's... He's dead, ma'am. Oh. You 
shouldn't be lying here on the cold ground. I'll lift him up into the car. I will help you, Senora. If you so much as touch him, I'll kill you. Come along. Come on. You're pretty strong to lift him yourself. I've done it before. You're hurt, Marshal? I'll be all right. You can come, too, if you want. Take you back to town. Look, ma'am, I'm sorry about... Sorry? Huh. You should never have left Dodge City. All it got me was a dead husband. Get in. Somewhere on that long wagon ride back to town, Mrs. Contuarius squeezed a tear onto her cheek. Just one tear. But for her, it was a major emotion. The sun was doing its best to char the wood frame buildings when we hit Gaujai. She drove past the white buffalo to the far edge of town, pulled up at a tar paper shack. Oh. Here we are, Marshal. Why bring me here? Just so I could pick my own gutter? Why didn't you leave me in the cottonwoods to die? That door. That shack door right over there. Try it. All right, ma'am. Get in. I heard you were dead. Hey, you're hurt. Come on in. Thanks. Who sent you here? Mrs. Contorius. Huh? Better cut away that shirt. Why'd she send me here, Greg? Not neat, Marshal. Not neat at all. Why here, Greg? Lie still. I'll get some things. You haven't answered my question. I do things with my hands, Marshal. Spin roulette with you. And extract bullets between spins. You a doc? Yeah, I'm a doc. Was. Had a shingle. Nice, shiny one. And they said I couldn't have it anymore. Malpractice, they said. It. What you looking at? That roulette wheel on the table over there. Don't you get enough practice at the White Buffalo? Don't strain yourself, Marshal. I won't. I'm not too much alive. But I once knew a croupier clever enough to spin the wheel so that the ball would drop in any slot he wanted. That'd be pretty hard to prove, wouldn't it, Marshal? Yeah, it would. Now, you want that wound fixed? Uh Uh-huh. I'll bite my lip real hard. Do that, Marshal. It's a nice pose. I bit my lip, but all I got was a pain in my mouth. And I didn't need that. There was enough pain. It started when Greg put a scalpel against my shoulder, and it went on from there. It went on for a long time. Finally, everything gathered into focus. Keep that bandage dry, Marshal. You'll be all right. Thanks, Doc. What's your fee? This bullet. The one I took out of you. I want it as a souvenir of the time I saved a Marshal's life. You're welcome to it. Just tell me this. You know a girl named Tamar? Girl in the Bible had that name. Contuarius knew a girl named Tamar. Now he's dead. Contuarius dead? Well, I suppose somebody wanted him dead. Yeah. But stick around. I may want to talk to you again later. Always a pleasure, Marshal. I'll be around. What are your plans? I'm going to take a killer. (laughs) With your shooting arm in a sling? I don't think so. I'll gamble on it, Greg. 
Want odds? I got up and left Greg's shack. Taking a killer needed a little preparation. And right now, preparation meant talking to Mrs. Contuarius. But something stopped me. It was the funeral Mrs. Contuarius was celebrating for her dearly departed. Somewhere, she'd found a black ostrich plume and pinned it to the donkey's head. The cart she always used was draped in banners of black silk that looked suspiciously like the shreds of an elegant petticoat. Three grinning Indian kids, maybe eight years old, were beating a drum, clapping a cymbal, playing a flute. The rear of the parade was brought up by a bunch of other Indian kids, looking solemn because their new shoes hurt. And on the cart, in an open pine box, lay Senor Contuarius. I looked inside. The senor was still very aristocratic. I looked again, closer. Then I knew I just had to talk to Mrs. Contuarius. It was maybe an hour later when she drove up to the White Buffalo alone, her cart empty and stripped to the banners. She looked uncomfortable in her black cotton. Send me your good arm, Marshal. I don't want to rip this dress. Yes, ma'am. There you are. Nice funeral, ma'am. Thanks, Marshal. Kids behaved real nice, didn't they? Yeah. You done a good job on them, ma'am. Thanks. You haven't been very successful, have you, Marshal? Maybe that's your fault. Maybe you haven't told me enough. About what? About Tamar and your husband, for instance. What about Tamar and my husband? This about them, ma'am. They were real good friends. That could be a reason for you to kill your husband. Could, Marshal, but it wasn't. Maybe he was killed because he found out who was cheating this wheel and you didn't. But I did. Then why don't you take him? You want me to take Greg Hagen? Greg Hagen? I don't believe it. Hagen's an honest man, as honest as you are, Marshal. Can you prove what you're saying? I don't know. But I'm sticking around to see if I can. And I'm sticking around to see if I can bring in a killer. Who is it? Maybe you. Maybe Greg. Maybe Booth, the man in the beaded jacket. <laughs> Maybe even the girl named Tamar. Then come on in and have a drink. You look peaked. I followed her into the casino. In an hour, it began to fill up. I hid myself behind the stairs where I had a clear view of the roulette table and waited. About eight, she walked through the door. Tamar. Tamar, in a dress of red. Tamar, buckled with silver. She strolled over to the table and put some chips on the black as Greg spun. There was no sign of recognition between them. Seven black. Seven pays black pays. Hey, your bet. On the next spin, Tamar won again. Then she lost. She doubled her bets and won more times than she lost. After a while, she stopped playing colors and switched to single numbers. Thirty-five to one. She kept on winning about one out of four. In an hour, there was roughly $20,000 stacked in front of her. And in an hour, there wasn't any doubt they were a team. And Greg was spinning a crooked wheel. Thirteen black. Thirteen pays. Black pays. Oh, you're lucky. You're very lucky tonight, Tamar. Tonight, senora. I am always lucky at your tables, no? Not as lucky as tonight. Sorry, men. This is a private table from now on. You all move over to the second row, right over there. Private table, senora? Yes, just you and this gentleman. Mrs. Contarius was playing it smart. The man she thumbed at over her shoulder was Booth in his beaded jacket. I could have made my move then, but I decided to wait for the piece to play itself out. Mrs. Contrarius was getting them all together, and this show was too good to spoil. Greg, Booth, and Tamar. 
This is my last spin. That's all right, Jemma. All Mr. Booth wants is just one spin. Right, Mr. Booth? Yeah, just one spin with a little lady. But I was... Ah, Mr. Booth, huh? Yeah. Well, I suppose it is all right. Spin the wheel, Greg. We'll spin. Once more. Bueno. All of my money on number one. Number one, huh? That's a good number. Number one. I'll take 10,000 in gold on number one. Three red. Three pays, red pays. Greg, why you double-crossed me? I double-crossed you. It don't matter, Tamar. Greg didn't have a chance. The knife he tried to draw was hammered back by the bullets from Booth's gun. They tore through his hand and across his chest. Suddenly, his face changed. He looked young and hurt and ashamed of the blood that he couldn't hold back. Booth held his guns like they were dogs on a leash that could snap easy. Keep back. All of you. Marshal, you can quit playing possum now. It'll make me real happy if you try to follow it. Pick up the money and let's go, Tamar. Nobody move. <laughs> Nobody move. You let him get away, Marshal. I don't think so, ma'am. He'll be wanting to finish me off. I'm going to give him his chance. I could have looked for him in a lot of places. But he was with Tamar. That narrowed it down. There was only one place to look. It was dawn when I found him, resting easy in the cottonwood clearing. <laughs> I knew you'd have to come after me, Marshal. You know, you're funnier than an actor I saw once in Dodge. You're much funnier. Maybe you laugh too easy, Booth. Like you kill too easy. <laughs> Marshal, with his gun arm in a sling, chasing a killer. Go away, Marshal. <laughs> Go away while there is still time. I got nothing but time. I'll wait. That's where you're wrong, Marshal. You got no time at all. Yeah? Code, if I do not believe. It is impossible that someone could shoot faster than Senor Booth. But with your left hand. Oh, Chico. You are so very quick with your gun. I like that about a man. Take it easy, Tamar. Come on, let's go. Go? Oh, not now, Marshal. There is time. <laughs> Sit here next to Tamar. Like this? Mm-hmm. You know what I think? Oh, Chico. Chico, do not talk now. I think you had a great thing with Greg. He could put that ball in any number you bet on. Only that wasn't enough for you. Oh, but it does not matter now, Carito. You thought you could double your profits by throwing in with Booth. Maybe you were going to double cross him, too. Like your double-crossed Contrarius and Greg. Oh, do not worry about it, Chico. The money is yours, too. It belongs to Mrs. Contrarius. And that's who's going to get it. What? What are you talking about? Take your choice. Come back with me to the jail and gouge eye. Or I'll turn you over to Mrs. Contrarius. And I don't think she could stand having you alive. Why, you... Oh, Chico, surely... Surely you are playing with me, huh? You murdered a man, Tamar. Si, 
You oh. killed Contuarius. Chico, I told you the shot that killed Contuarius came from the woods in back of the clearing. Much closer than that. From your gun, Tamar, Contuarius had powder burns on his forehead. So that shot was fired from up close. I saw that when I looked into his coffin. Powder burns from your gun, Tamar. We were going away together. You and I, Chico. Listen to me, Chico. Contuarius found out you were double-crossing him with Greg, didn't he? Listen to me. Let's go, Tamar. Listen, listen to me, Chico. There is plenty of money. Yours and mine. Listen to me, Chico. She put her arms around my neck and her lips close to my ear. And for a long time, for a long, long time, first in English, then in Spanish, then in Cherokee, and in a language I couldn't recognize, she whispered at me every foul name in the book. She was talented. She didn't repeat herself once. Tamar didn't understand that a marshal had a job to do, and that the job got... back to Dodge City, I came across a cottonwood clearing I'd never noticed before. I rode down into it. Small animals scurried off a log and lost itself in the shadows. Then I was alone. For a time after that, for a long time after that, I thought about Samar. They'd given her her guitar, but I knew she wouldn't be singing much longer. The rest of the way home, the country was dust got inside of my mouth, and it stayed there. Gunsmoke featured Howard Culver as Mark Dillon, supported by June Foray, Gerald Moore, Vic Perrin, Jack Crucian, D.J. Thompson, and Jay Novello. Music was composed and conducted by Del Castillo. The original story by Morton Fine and David Friedkin was directed by Richard Sandville. This is Alan Botzer to Gunsmoke and another thrilling adventure with Mark Dillon, United States Marshal. This is CBS, the Columbia Broadcasting System. Okay, folks. Um... This next one, it's a story, uh, it's, it's called Kara. And, uh, it's, it's kind of your, uh, Western love story. Kind of, kind of a sad thing, but then kind of a, uh, you just judge for yourself. Um, I, I've heard better ones, but it was alright. Um, you judge for yourself. I'll be interested in, um, hearing what you have to say. Uh, and I forgot to tell you where you can get in touch with me. It's, um, yeah, um, Afternoon Radio Theater Sunday at gmail.com. And um, you can Facebook me if you want to Facebook me directly. I'm, uh, Monica Jones. I had to think because I, I thought I had changed my Facebook name as my my Twitter name. I'm I'm never on Twitter anymore. It used to be my favorite thing, but um, so don't worry about trying to get me on Twitter. They got rid of my two favorite programs. 
I don't care if the site is accessible. Uh, I'm, I mean, I'm glad that it is, but I, I like my two favorite programs, especially the one on the iPhone, Twitterific, I really love. But anyway, no, no more about that. Um, but kick back and enjoy Kara. Grab you something to eat if you want to make you Sunday or what have you. Um, I traded my Sunday in this week for candy. <laughs> so, I'm wanting to eat something good here in a few minutes, but they've got our water off today, so that's a bummer. But anyway, enjoy Kara, and I'll be back with you. Around Dodge City and in the territory on West, there's just one way to handle the killers and the spoilers, and that's with a U.S. Marshal and the smell of gun smoke. Gun smoke, starring William Conrad. The story of the violence that moved west with young America. The story of a man who moved with it. Matt Dillon, United States Marshal. Mr. Dillon, there's Miss Kitty, there in front of the Texas Trail. Yeah, I think she's waiting to say hello, Chester. What's she going to work so early for? Well, it ain't hardly noon yet. I don't know about Kitty, but the stage from Wichita's due in about noon. Oh, I plumb forgot. Sheriff Benson's coming today, ain't he? That's what the telegram said. Why would the sheriff of Wichita come all the way to Dodge, Mr. Dillon? Must be mighty important. Maybe there's somebody here you'd like to take back with him. Hello, Kitty. Hello, Matt. Chester. Miss Kitty? So this is what Dodge looks like at noon. It's a little too real for me. <laughs> we were wondering what brought you out so early. Uh, Sam sent word. He wanted to see me. Come on in and say hello. Okay. We got a few minutes. Oh. Hello, Sam. Sam. Marshal. Hello, Kitty. Sam. Hello, Chester. You have your drink, gentlemen? Uh, no, thanks, Sam. Sam, it isn't uh, noon yet. What am I doing here? Yeah, thanks for coming, Kitty. It's a new girl I just hired. I thought it'd be sort of nice if you'd take her over and sort of show her the ropes. Glad to, Sam. She came in from St. Louis on the Santa Fe this morning. Needed a job real bad. Well, I hope she's not one of those innocent lambs who's been a lady all her life. <laughs> I'll, I'll go get her. Sam takes pity on every lost soul that hits this town. No woman could stay lost around Dodge for long. <laughs> That's true, Chester. That's why most of these women ought to stay home. Say, she's pretty. Kara. What? Uh, uh, that's her name, Kara. You know her? Yeah. Yeah, I know her. Well, here, here she is, everybody. Kara, this is Kitty and Marshal Dillon... And Chester Proudfoot. Hello, Kara. Aren't you going to say hello, Matt? 
been a long time, Kara. Matt and I knew each other out in Arizona. For a while, anyway. Till Matt sort of changed his mind. Well, what are you doing in Dodge, Kara? I thought you'd be surprised. I heard you were marshal here. Somebody told me on the train. Uh huh. You've been living in St. Louis? I've been living everywhere, Matt. I left Arizona about a year after you did. I even tried San Francisco. I made out pretty good there, too. Uh, uh, you planning on staying in Dodge? Why not? I heard there's a lot of easy money here. Sure, sure. Any objections to my stay in, Matt? Well, of course not. Kitty, it's it's real sweet of you to show me around. Uh-huh. Let's sit over there and have a talk first, shall we? Sure. Maybe you can teach me a few things. See you later, gentlemen. Well, I'll say one thing, Mr. Dillon. She's a right pretty girl, anyway. Yeah. She's changed since I knew her. She's changed a lot. Uh, Come on, Chester. The stage is about you. Now, this is my office here, Sheriff. Oh, Dodge is sure growth, Marshal. Been three or four years since I was here. Yeah. Must look mighty small compared to Wichita, Mr. Benson. <laughs> Maybe Dodge will be bigger than Wichita someday. But it's Denver, they say, has grown. I'm curious to see that. Are oh, you headed for Denver, Sheriff? They're holding a the killer for me up there. Oh. Well, sit down, sit down. <laughs> I'm taking the next stage west, Marshal, but uh, I wanted to be sure to see you on my way through Dodge. There's some trouble headed here. Oh? A fella called Jack Tolliver. He's a bank robber, Marshal. And he's killed a few men along the way. He opened up the state bank in Wichita about a year ago, and he's been working his way through the Dakotas since then. But I hear he's back in Kansas. Took $5,000 out of the bank at Salina a few weeks back. Well, what makes you think he's going to try Dodge, Sheriff? Because he's heading south. Dodge is a natural for them. Them? He's got a couple of partners. I don't know their names. Yeah. Uh, what does this Tolliver look like? That's a trouble, Marshal. Nobody ever got a good look at him I know of, but uh, I can tell you something about one of the gang. He sends this one ahead of him to sort of look things over for a week or so, and then... He and the other two ride in. Uh-huh. What about the man that scouts ahead for him? It, uh, ain't a man, Marshal. It's a woman. A woman? Don't know her name. She changes it all the time anyway, but she's right pretty. About five foot seven, black hair, hazel eyes. She's smart and she's tough. Very right, clear. Mr. Dillon, that sounds... That's a like... pretty clever operation, Chester. Uh, Sheriff, I sure thank you for telling me all this. Uh, we'll be watching for him. Well... I better go get some dinner before that stage pulls out. See you on my way back, Marshal. Goodbye, Chester. Bye, Mr. Benson. Thanks again, Sheriff. Mr. Dillon? That sure did sound like Kara he was describing. Oh, but of course she wouldn't be mixed up in anything like that. Well, I said she'd changed, Chester, but I hope she hasn't changed that much. I, uh... I think I better go have a talk with her.
Why, Matt, how do you know where I was? Kitty told me. I, uh, I'd like to talk to you, Kara. Sure. Come in. Thank you. Is it embarrassing for you, Matt? My being in Dodge? Why should it be, Kara? Well, we were pretty good friends once. Well, we can still be friends. You mean that, Matt? You really mean it? You know what I mean, Kara. Why'd you come here? What do you want? Oh, just to talk a little. About what? About you. Where you been? Did you ever get married? Things like that. No, I never got married. And I told you I've been everywhere. What else? Well, what have you been doing lately? Why'd you leave St. Louis? I haven't been in St. Louis. Are you... You said you just came from there. You didn't let me finish. I haven't been in St. Louis very long, and I had no reason to stay there. Matt, what's this all about? If you don't want me in Dodge, say so. I'll leave. Oh, you're, you're welcome in Dodge, Kara. I don't know whether to believe you or not. Well, maybe I'm being too curious. I'll shut up. Oh, it isn't that. I guess it's just that... There's a lot of things I don't want to talk about. You understand that? Sure, sure. But I won't be bothering you anyway. I have to go out of town for a few days tomorrow. Oh? Where are you going? Salina. They're holding a prisoner for me there. Salina? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And you going tomorrow? Yeah. I'll be back in a couple of days, though. Matt, couldn't you put it off for a while? Say, another week? Why, Carol? I don't know. I'd like you around. I feel like such a stranger here. I'll be more at home in another week. Please, Matt? Uh, sure, Kara. Doesn't make much difference. Uh, you, you let me know if there's anything I can do for you. Huh? Thanks, Matt. I will. You there, Mr. Dillon? Yeah. Did you find out anything? Only if she is mixed up with this man, Tolliver, she can't get in touch with him for a week. But we won't worry about it till then. You'd be kind of too bad. I mean, you being a friend of hers and all. The sheriff said Tolliver's killed a number of men, Chester. I won't mind stopping him. If I can. A few days passed, and as I'd thought, nothing happened. Kara worked at the Texas Trail. 
And although we kept an eye on her, she talked to so many strangers every day, there was no way of telling which might have been her bank robber friend, Jack Tolliver. Would have been easy for him to just ride into town anytime he wanted, buy Kara a drink and get what information she'd gathered. I talked to her now and then, and although she tried not to show it, I was pretty sure she was aware that I was suspicious of her. And then one day, I was real sure. Doc and Chester and I just finished a game of three-handed stud in the office. Six fifty, six seventy-five, and seven. <clears throat> seven fifty, eight dollars. You have to count it out loud, Doc. Eight fifty, nine, nine fifty. Ah, there we are. <laughs> well, I do it to teach you a lesson, Chester. You got my money, ain't that enough? <laughs> oh, you're always thinking of money, Chester. Money isn't the only pleasure in the world. Why, there's also... Oh, my, there's... Uh, well, uh, well, there's also, um... Um... Also what? <laughs> you better think hard, Doc. He's following you mighty close. Uh, did you ever go out in the night, Chester, and look at the stars? What? Did you ever watch them and feel close to nature and enjoy the great and wondrous beauty of it all? You talk like you had a drink, Doc. Uh-uh. Oh, Chester. Of course, I watched the stars. Whenever it wasn't raining or snowing or blowing the wind down out of the north or whenever I wasn't just too doggone saddle-weary and tuckered out to keep my eyes open. You're a hard man to inspire, Chester. Right. Saving you from the devil would be a full-time job. And I'm afraid it's too late. Now, here. I... The world has corrupted you, Chester. It's touched your soul. It's withered it like a... Oh, my, like a... Like a bean. Like a bean? Now, doggone it, you listen here, Doc. <laughs> oh, <Adams>. kitty! <laughs> oh, oh, well, look upon her, Chester. The beauty of womanhood in all its passionate splendor. What? It sure beats the stars, anyway. Are you too drunk? <laughs> Doc's been trying to teach Chester to take a larger view of life, kitty. <laughs> Doc's got all my money, and he's just crowing about it. That's all he's doing. Money, huh? Well, that's just what I came here for. Oh, what do you mean, Kitty? I need $20, Matt. Oh, well, sure. There you are. Before I take it, I better tell you, it isn't for me. What? Kara needs it. She came to me, and I didn't have it, but I said I thought I could get it for her. I think she knows where. Well, she could have come to me herself. Too proud, maybe. How come she's broke? She's been working. I didn't ask her what it's for, Matt. Oh, it's all right, Kitty. Give it to her. I will. But I'll tell you something. What? I've met some pretty tricky women here and there. But your old friend Kara has them all beat. I'll give her the money. Chester. Yes, sir? Follow, Kitty. Don't let Kara out of your sight till you find out what that money's for. I'll wait here for you. Okay, Mr. Dillon. Depot's already crowded, Chester. It must be close to train time. Yes, sir. And Carol will be here. I know she will. The agent told me she bought one ticket to St. Louis and asked what time the next train leaves. Well, I hope she's here. And maybe she's innocent after all, Mr. Dillon. Well, we'll soon find out, Chester. Oh, there she is over there. Yes, and all dressed up, too. Kara's always all dressed up. 
Hello, Matt. Chester? Miss Kara? You're staring at me, Matt. I'm just wondering why you didn't come and say goodbye. If you're leaving Dodge. What makes you think I'm leaving? Well, you bought a ticket to St. Louis with the $20 I gave Kitty for you. Yes, I did. I knew you'd figure it all out, Matt. And I knew you'd think I'm leaving. I wanted you to. Why, Kara? Because I've enjoyed making a fool of you. Have you? A friend of mine's leaving on that train, Matt. Jack Tolliver? I knew you were on to us. I'll watch Kara if you want to go after him, Mr. Dillon. There are 20 strangers down here, Chester. How do I know which one's Tolliver? <laughs> you know, I could arrest you, Kara. You're wanted in a lot of places. You're too smart for that, Matt. Arrest me and you'd never find Jack. Sure, but once Tolliver's on that train, I can find him. How? I'll have the whole train put under guard when it gets to Abilene. And one by one, every man on it will have to clear himself. We'll get him. No, you won't. He'll jump off. He won't know what I'm going to do, and you can't warn him, now. Hey, it's pulling out, Mr. Dillon. We'll make it, Chester. So long, Kara. No, Matt, wait. Come on, Chester, run. Matt, come ah. back. Hell, You sure fooled her, Mr. Dillon. Kara doesn't think I fooled her, Chester. What do you mean? She thinks she fooled me. Well, how? She wants me on this train. She planned the whole thing for it. Well, why are we here, then? Well, we won't be for long. There's a ranch close to the tracks about ten miles from here. I'll have the conductor stop the train, and we'll get off there and then borrow a couple of horses. And, and ride on back to Dodge? Jack Tolliver's in Dodge, Chester. He's thinking he can hold up the bank any time he wants to now. But there's nobody to stop him. I tied the horse way over yonder, Mr. Dillon. Plumb out of sight. That was good. It's almost dark anyway. They'd never see him. Yeah. Well, things look quiet enough. Come on, let's get inside the bank. We'll wait for him there. How are we going to get in, Mr. Dillon? Ain't it locked? Well, there isn't more than a couple of hundred dollars in there, Chester. Mr. Botkin's been keeping the bank's real money in a safe at his home ever since I heard about Jack Tolliver. And he gave me a key to the rear door here. Well, if there's nothing for him to steal, what do we care? Well, I'll let you figure that out for yourself, Chester. Mm-hmm. Oh. Where will I get at, Mr. Dillon? Uh, over there by the window there. Oh, you can see him, huh? Oh, what if they try to come in the front? Oh, they won't. It's too exposed. I'll wait over here. When they come, we'll leave them alone until they get clear inside, you understand? Yes, sir, I won't shoot till you do. All right, good. Now, don't stand right in front of the window, Chester. They'll see you. Yeah, but I can't see good if I'm at one side. You don't have to be at one side. Just stand a few feet back from it. Yes, sir. Yeah, that's better. My. I sure do wish there was a moon tonight. Yeah, it'll be a help, all right. Uh oh. What? There's some horses. They're heading this way. How many? Four, I think. Yep, four. Yeah, that's them. Here they come. They're getting down. Three of them are. They're handing their reins to the other one. I hope now he's getting down too. 
She, Chester. That's probably Carol. My God, I think it is. All right, quiet now. Yes, sir. Street. All clear, Kara? Okay, Jack. All right. Go ahead, you two. I'll follow. All right. Behind the banker's desk there, according to Kara. Yeah. All right, get your hands in the air, Tolliver. All of you. You're coming. I can't see it. I got two of them, Chester. Tolliver, run outside, but I hit him. He's wounded. Look, Terry's having to help him. Hold it, Tolliver. Kara, get away from him. No, you don't, Kara. You stay right here. Don't hide behind me, Jack. You'll kill me. He won't kill you. But if you move, I will. No, let me go. Get around behind him, Chester. Yes, sir. You're trapped, Tolliver. Now let Kara go. You just stay right where you are, both of you. I'll kill her if you don't. You coward, Jack. Get away from me. I warned you. Well, you got him, Mr. Dillon. He's dead. I didn't get him soon enough. Let's see how Carol is. Kara. Kara. I'm sorry, Kara. It's too dark. I couldn't shoot any quicker. Kara. I don't think she heard me, Chester. He shot her right in the back, Mr. Dillon. Yeah. Well, sir, that's the end of Jack Tolliver's gang. It's the end of a lot of things, Chester. A lot of things. Yes, sir, I guess it is. Smoke under the direction of Norman McDonald stars William Conrad as Matt Dillon, U.S. Marshal. Tonight's story was specially written for Gunsmoke by John Meston, with music composed and conducted by Rex Corey. Featured in the cast were Harry Bartell, Jill Jarman, Vic Perrin, and John Daner. Harley Bear as Chester, Howard McNear as Doc, and Georgia Ellis as Kitty. Join us again next week as Matt Dillon, U.S. Marshal, fights to bring law and order out of the wild violence of the West in Gunsmoke. We have um, this just simply called Billy Billy the Kid, and uh, if you're a big Western buff, you know about Billy the Kid. This one is nothing special. It's just another one, so give it a listen and enjoy it. And um, so I'll catch you in just a few minutes.
large city, into the territory on West. There's just one way to handle the killers and the spoilers, and that's with a U.S. Marshal and the smell of gun smoke. <laughs> violence that moved west with young America. The story of a man who moved with it, Matt Dillon, United States Marshal. Wanted for murder. Wanted for murder. Clay Richards. Clay Richards. Age 31. 31. Height 6 feet. Eyes brown. Hair red. Eyes brown, hair red. Hey, how'd you like me to print his picture on these notices? I got a woodcut. Well, let me show you. Ernie! Yep? That's your marshal a copy of that front page. Interviewing Clay's wife yesterday, I noticed a tintype on the mantle. Their wedding photograph. So, first thing you know, I snitched it. It's very thoughtful. Yeah, oh, I'll take it, Ernie. Here. And then I propped it up in front of me and carved me this woodcut. Ain't she prime... Ain't she just elegant? Real elegant. Good likeness, don't you think? Of course, he was seven or eight years younger with the tintype. Yeah, it's a good likeness. That's his hair short. Doesn't show what makes a law-abiding man like him try to rob a bank. Doesn't look like a man who murdered an old cashier and a Chinese cook who just happened to be there. But it's a good likeness. Yes, sir, it is. A picture like this sure dresses up the front page, don't it? Yeah, it's a little masterpiece, Mr. Hightower. A notable contribution to the culture of Dodge City. Well, thank you, Marshal. Does fetch the eye, don't it? I'm printing an extra 500 copies of the weekly, and I bet I sell them all. Too bad the cashier's shot went wild. If he'd managed to kill Clay or even wing him, why, I bet I could sell a thousand extra copies. We must be thankful for the blessings we do receive, Mr. Hightower. Oh, I am, Marshal, I am. Why, just before it happened yesterday afternoon, I didn't know what I was going to fill my columns with. And then, like manna from heaven, two murders and a bank robbery. Attempted bank robbery, Mr. Hightower. He turned and ran before he got his hands on so much as a dollar. Yes. Still, as you say, like manna. Dylan, I... I I'm talking I... business. What is it, Chester? Well, it's in Wade, I guess, Mr. Dillon. Yeah, print Clay's picture on those notices, Mr. Hightower. Now, where were we? Uh, eyes brown, hair red. Oh, yes. Also known as Red, Bricktop, and Sorrel. He uh, didn't answer to no other nicknames, did he? No, that's what they call him. All right, then in big letters, $400 reward. Dead. And at the bottom, apply Matt Dillon, Marshal, Dodge City. Mm-hmm. And I print 200 copies. How soon can I send Chester over for him? This afternoon. Good morning, Mr. Hightower. Chester. Think those posters will do any good? Richards is probably over the line into Oklahoma or Colorado by now. That strawberry roan of his is the fastest in the county. He has no money. He panicked and ran out of the bank before he got a penny. I think he'll try to get help from his wife or brother or a friend the first chance he has, maybe tonight. I say he's around here somewhere. 
I, uh... I'm sorry I turned on you like that, Chester. Why, that's all right, Mr. Dillon. Out all night with a posse, no sleep, man's bound to get touchy. No, it's not that. It's, it's the, the way... It's the way people use a thing like this. The men riding posse last night, they enjoyed it as though they were hunting fox or possum. Hightower back there, he acts like it was a birthday treat, specially gotten up for him. Everybody finds a way to use it. Uh, what, what was it you wanted to tell me? Hmm? Oh, I, I got a kid, a, a little boy, locked up in the cell. Uh-huh. He run away from home, back in Cottonwood. Ed Slade turned him over to me when he come through on the stagecoach just now. Kid about 12 years old. Who's is he? Widow woman, Miss Bonnie. She runs the boarding house in Cottonwood. Ed says kids always running away a little while, I guess. He flagged Ed for a ride on the road halfway between there and here. Soon as Ed seen him stand there with his bundle on his shoulder, he knowed what he was up to. So he told the kid he'd help him and then turn him over to us when he got there. All right, we'll send a telegram to the mother to come fetch him. Well, come on in, Chester, and shut the door. Mr. Dillon? You're letting in every horse fly in Kansas. Mr. Dillon, I think you better cancel the order for them notices. What? The Dutchman's coming up the street. And he's leading a strawberry roan, and Clay Richards is draped across his back. Like a sack of wheat across the saddle. Last time I saw him, two days ago, he was standing at the bar laughing his head off. A sack of wheat across the saddle. And followed by half the saloon bums and loafers in town. All right, Chester, make him keep back. All right, now stand back, you fellas. Come on, now, back. Stand back. Ziegler. How did it happen, Ziegler? My goat, my old billy goat, he pushes open the fence last night and runs away. Forget your goat. What about Clay? Yeah, I, I tell you. This morning, I go to look for a goat. I walk here, there. From near the river, I see Clay. He sits there. I say, hello, Clay. The gate. dirty Dutchman. You know the dog? Clay was your best friend. He helped you buy your farm, so you killed him for a All right, all of you. Keep back, everybody. Clay? Me? No, no, my brother, he was like... We was in the war together. Bitter, listen. You killed him for the war. Not so. I killed nobody. Not, not since Gettysburg. Clay is dead already when I find him. I don't even own a pistol. Ziegler, inside quick. Yeah, yeah. Chester, give me a hand with Clay. All right, all of you. Listen. I will not tolerate a disturbance. You know me. I got him, Chester. Take his leg. All right, kick the door shut. Marshal, I don't kill Clay. On this table, Chester. What'd you do with Clay's gun? His holster's empty. Gun? Clay's? I ain't got it. I don't even own one. Chester, see if it slipped out. His holster was empty coming up the street. First thing I noticed. Maybe it's over on the... Another customer? Why, that's three in less than a day. 
Oh, bountiful harvest. My fees this month will keep me in luxury. In luxury? Doc, I uh, want to have an inquest as soon as possible. Well, as soon as I finish the autopsy. Shouldn't take long with the practice I've had this week, huh? <laughs> no. Hey, late afternoon all right with you? I'll take him up to my office right now. No, thank you, Chester. I can carry him all by myself here. You just open the door there like a good fella. Easy. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. Uh, uh, Marshal, tell the city fathers I'd like to make a deal when the corpses are as famous as this one. <laughs> Back in 53 in San Francisco, a fellow I knew earned a fortune, exhibiting the head of Joaquin Marietta. Tell them if they'll let me keep the remains... I'll do the autopsies for nothing. Shut the door, Chester. Ziegler, where is it you met Clay on the river? By the ford. This side, by the ford. Ride out there, Chester, and see if you can find Clay's gun. Maybe he dropped it when he was shot. I did not shoot Clay. Sure. I did not. I had no reason to. I did not. I did not. Now, you listen to me. Maybe you think Dodge has got so big, I don't know about everything that goes on here. Well, if you do, you're wrong. If you think I don't know about the bank having an overdue mortgage on your farm, you're wrong. $400 is reason enough for a struggling farmer like you. No. Could not do such a thing. I am a human being. To a peace officer, Ziegler, that's enough grounds for suspicion. But whether you did it or not, we'll be decided at your trial. In the meantime, you just stop yammering about it. Trial? Me? Even when I shoot somebody, I stand trial. If they find it's justifiable homicide, and they probably will, Clay being a wanted man, then they'll let you off. And if not... Please, I am permitted to go now. Go? Are you crazy? I found this stock. I, I must look after it. You sit right down. You want to be lynched? You're trying to get yourself murdered? Have you forgotten about Clay's brother, Adam? Would not believe I shot him. What difference does it make whether he believes it or not? His brother's been killed. Everybody's looking to him to do something about it, and he knows it. You want me to guess where he is right this minute? He's in one of them saloons, lapping up courage to come in here and ask me to give you to him for a present. You want to know who's with him? Ever loafer, ever bum, ever slob in town. Slapping him on the back and telling him what a shame it is. Taking him on to kill you so that they can have some excitement and some fun. Maybe you deserve killing, but it's my job to uphold the law, and I'm not letting you out of here. What? I tell you, you might spend your time trying to think up a better story. That is, if you intend to stay in this town. All right, now think back. Didn't Clay go for his gun before you shot him? I tell you, I didn't. If I'm not under arrest, you have no right to keep me here. I got to look after my farm. I go. All right, Chester, lock him up. Yes, sir, Mr. Dillon. Come on now, Ziegler. Step out, Sonny. This cage is bespoke. Who's in there, Chester? Yeah, that little old runaway from Cottonwood. Oh. Yeah. Come over here, son. Come over here to me. I know who you are. <laughs> you do, do you? You bet. You're Matt Dillon. <laughs> I'm guilty. I knowed you right off. He was pointed out to me one day back home. Killer says you was the fastest gun thrower in Kansas. <laughs> Wyatt Earp wouldn't be awful interested to hear that, I'm afraid. Killer says you was faster than older. Faster than Wild Bill Hickok in Hay City and Fat Masterson or any of them. How many fellows have you killed? You don't keep score, son. It's something you try to forget. Not me. Someday I'll be famous like you, and for every filler I kill, I'll, I'll put a notch on my gun. People see those notches and they'll know they better not try. Why'd you run away from home, bub? 
Don't you know your mother's likely to worry about oh, you? Oh, she won't worry. She's too busy working. You ain't going to make me go back, are you? You wouldn't do that, would you? Well... Because it wouldn't stop me for long. I'd only run away again. Oh, where are you off to in such a sweat? Oh, Texas, California, Mexico. Fellow can accomplish things there, not like living in old cottonwood. If you let me go someday when I'm famous, you can tell people you helped get me started. <laughs> well, that's, that's a pretty strong inducement. Um, I'll have to think about it for a while. And, uh, look, uh, while I'm making up my mind, I, I want you to give me your word. The word of a man who will be famous someday that uh, he won't try to run away from me. <laughs> Otherwise, I'll have to have Chester lock you up again. Oh, I'll shake on that. <laughs> good, good. Uh, Chester, I want you to go look for Clay's gun. Yes, Mr. Dillon. And uh, on the way, stop off and send that uh, telegram. You know? Hmm? Oh, that telegram. Uh, yes, sir, Mr. Dillon. I'll Where's Ziegler? It's all right, Chester. Go ahead. Yes, sir, Mr. Dillon. Where's that murdering dog? Oh, there you are, you... Not a single you? step further, Adam. I want him, Dillon. He murdered Clay, shot him down without giving him a chance. How do you know? Because Clay wouldn't have let anyone catch him off guard except a friend. Uh, a friend. Now, Dylan, give me that Dutchman. Try to take him. It's like that? It's like that. And it's true what the fellas say. You made a deal with the Dutchman to give him the reward and protect him if he'd kill Clay for you. That was the deal, was it? Yeah. The fellas say why I'd make such a deal? Dylan, it ain't no longer a secret around town that you and Francie want each other. But Clay was in the way. You had him killed so you could get his wife. Do you deny it? No. No. It'll serve as well as any other crazy story. It'll work you up. You think you're safe behind that star, don't you? Well, Clay have friends, lots of them. I'm coming back with them friends, and we'll get the Dutchman and you and anyone else who tries to stop us. All right, Adam. I'll be waiting. Yeah. You wait. I almost seen something pretty just then, didn't I, Mr. Dillon? Yeah, almost. Not another pint of whiskey ought to do it. We will return for the second act of Gunsmoke in just a moment, but first... Many radio shows win high popularity with the prizes and cash they give away. But there's one show that's tops because the head man gives away as little as possible. What other radio program could it be but the Jack Benny Show? So be listening. And now, now with William Conrad starred as Matt Dillon, here's the second act of Gunsmoke. Son? You say something, Mr. Dillon? Uh, yeah, open my drawer in front of you there. You'll find a small bottle of oil in there. No, no, the one to the right there. Yeah, that's it. Now, bring a little brush, too, huh? Here it is. Thanks, bub. It's the right nice gun you have. Yeah, it's not bad, but a little stiff. Just a little stiff. Do you want to have a trigger? I've never seen no gun without a trigger before. Oh, you remove a trigger or uh, tie it back against a guard. And all you have to do is, uh, thumb a hammer. Yeah, like that. It's faster. 
Yeah, that's better now. Remove the trigger. I remember that. What in the world for? Well, I remember everything you told me. About the Texas holster and the spring holster and the double roll and filing off the site. It's just me, Mr. Dillon. Oh, any luck, Chester? No, sir, not any. I went to the store first and asked Mr. Denton what kind of ammunition Clay Richard used to buy, and he told me Clay had a double-action forty-four. I scarred that riverbank a half mile each way from the ford and not a sign of it. I got that telegram off. You know who ought to be here pretty soon. It's only seven, eight miles from... Is that a fire in town? Funeral services for Mr. Grinnell, the cashier. So soon? It's awful hot weather. Yeah. Um... Any of your guns need oiling, Chester? I don't think so. You sure? When Adam left, he said he'd be coming back with some friends. I know. I stopped at the Alifaganza just now to rinse out my mouth. Adam was there talking mighty ugly and mighty big. He's got a sizable following. Yeah. When do you think? Any minute now, Mr. Dillon. They want me to take Bob out of here to one of the hotels, maybe? I want to see No, him. I think you'll be safer here, Chester, behind stone walls and dodging about the streets rubbernecking. You keep your head down, sonny, you hear? There's a... Maddie! Maddie, i got to talk to you. She ought to be in mourning. If she cared for Clay at all anymore, she ought to be in black. Matt! Oh, Lord, I find her more beautiful all the time. Matt! Have you heard what they're saying? What are they saying, Francie? That you need... That you made Pete Ziegler kill him because I... I'm sorry that got back to you, Francie. It's all over, Dodge. Adam almost strangled me before they dragged him off. Francie, I didn't shoot Clay. Francie, I beg you, believe me. Now it's the... Shut up, Ziegler. Shut up or I'll put you to death. Francie, it's just one of those crazy stories. They needed one and they made one of But, Matt, everyone believes it. On my way down here, people were pointing, whispering... Old women clucking their tongues at me. They believe it. They'll forget it as soon as this is over. They'll remember that even if we once did go with each other, it was finished and done with even before the war ended, before you even met Clay. No, they won't forget it. For the rest of my life, as long as I stay here... Hold hold it a minute, Francie. Yeah, Doc, what is it? Oh, am I interrupting? What is it, Doc? Uh, Our topsy's finished. I examined his liver and lights as... This is Mrs. Richards, Doc. Oh, Oh, I beg your pardon, ma'am. I'm sure I make no disrespect for the departed. Well? Well, Clay was shot all right, but from the nature of the wound and the coagulation of the blood, I'd say it happened sometime yesterday. I'd say the cashier's bullet didn't go wild after all. How could a dead man gallop away? Well, the wound wasn't what killed Clay. The ball hit the rib case and bounced off. Twenty-two caliber it was. And what did kill him was the stab in the back, right through the spine. Inflicted sometime this morning. Now, near as I can judge, by a small blade, oh, two or three inches long. It could have been a Barlow knife. Thanks, Doc. Yeah, please accept my condolences, Mr. Richard. You call the inquest anytime you're ready, Marshal. Chester, close the door. You see? You see, I didn't do it. I didn't shoot him. All right, then you, you stabbed I... him, maybe. You said you never carried a gun. Look, Francie, go home and give matters a chance to simmer Matt, down. Matt, I... I'm going to ask you for something. Yeah? Turn Pete Ziegler out into the street. What? Francie, they're itching to get their hands on him. Let him have him. It'll prove that story's a lie, that you didn't make a deal with him. Please, Matt, I have to live here. Tell me, I have to live here. Matt? Matt? 
look at me like that. Go home, Francie. Go home or leave town or hang yourself or anything you like. Just go away. Away. Right now. I bought me a bottle at the Alphagans, Mr. Dillon. Would you care for a drink? No. Guess the funeral's over. There'll be others. Funny. No, I missed that bell. Awful quiet, ain't it? It's just... Just about on schedule. Are you ready, Chester? Yes, sir, Mr. Dillon. I'd use a shotgun if I were you. It's more effective when there's a mob to be dealt with. Oh, yes, sir, I am. Ziegler. Hey, you too, son. If trouble starts, lie down flat on the floor and keep your head down all the time. Don't gawk to see what's happening. You understand me? Yes, sir, Mr. Dillon. All right. Dillon! Dillon! Come out, Dillon! Chester, I want you to stand here in the doorway after I go out, where you can cover the back door and me at the same time. Yes, sir, Mr. Dillon. All right, Chester. Open the door. It's my duty to warn all of you that you're in the breach of the peace. I've sworn to uphold the law. I've killed men in order to do it, and I'm prepared to do so again. Give us a Dutchman, Dylan. I ask you to be sensible and to leave quietly. But if you refuse to listen to reason, if you insist upon being fools, if you've already decided to act like wolves instead of humans... And there's nothing I can say to make you change your minds. All right, you want Peter Ziegler? Well, he's not more than 20 feet behind me, so come on and get him, any of you. One at a time or all at once. Come on. Which one of you wants to die first? You? You? You, Adam? Well, what do you say, Adam? You let him here. Don't let this star on my coat stop you. Come on. There, I'm not wearing it now. Well, come on, draw, Adam, draw! You all right, Mr. Dillon? Yeah. Get his gun. Man alive, I couldn't even see your hand move. Oh, Marshal! Oh, don't tell me. Don't tell Doc, me. Doc, you make one single funny remark and I'll knock you down. You just take him to your office and get to work. Well, I, I never do mean to offend, Marshal. In my line of work, well, bodies, they're just so much lumber. Make all the jokes about them you please, but not to me and not in my hearing. In my line of work, there's nothing humorous about death. Give him a hand, Chester. No, no, no. I can handle the marshal. Thank you. Thank you. Just the same. Can you direct me to the marshal's office? Uh, yes, ma'am. Right here. I'm Marshal Dillon. Well, I left Cottonwood as soon as I got your telegram. I'm Miss Bonnie. Where's my boy? Oh, we have him, ma'am. Satan son. Here, let me help you down. Thank you. Hitch that horse, Chester. Right this way, ma'am. Oh, I'm so sorry he put you to all that trouble, Marshal. The truth of the matter is, he is a wild one and no mistake. Takes after his father, one scrape after another. Uh, he was no trouble at all. I enjoy children. I like to have them around. Bob? Bob, your ma's here. Son? Chester, where's the boy? Did you let him slip past you? No, sir, Mr. Dillon. He never got past me. Look. 
The back door's open. He's seen me and he hightailed it, the devil. <laughs> we'll round him up for you, ma'am. Don't worry. Oh, I don't know why I bother hauling him back. If he's run away once, he's run away a thousand times. This time he ran because I wouldn't buy him a gun. He wanted a real one. That boy's just gun crazy, I swear. I got him a nice ball and knife instead. Barlow knife. I reckon it didn't signify and off he runs. Barlow knife? A kid. Chester finds that kid. Marshal, has he done something bad with it? I told him to use it careful. He promised he'd use Wait, it careful. No, never mind, Chester. He's got Clay's strawberry ruin. We'd never catch up to him. Oh, I try to bring him up right. I tell him to be good, but he don't listen. He just don't listen. Now, calm yourself, ma'am. Just calm yourself. Here's your little bundle, Mr. Dillon. What? Yeah, give it to me. That's pretty heavy. <laughs> Here, you're better at knots than I am. Open it, will you? The moment he was born, he'd been nothing but tribulation to Now, please, ma'am. What's he got in it, Chester? A shirt, stockings, a piece of sausage, and this. Forty-four double action. Yes, sir, Mr. Dillon. That's Clay's gun. Sonny didn't manage to keep it long, did he? Well, if he wants a gun that bad, he's bound to get hold of another one somewhere, somehow. Chester, call Mr. Hightower over. Hey! Hey, Mr. Hightower! Oh. Come on over. Mr. Dillon wants you. Marshal, could I have please a drink of water? What? Oh, Ziegler. Uh, I forgot all about you. Uh, uh, Chester, where are the keys? Yeah, right there on the desk. Oh. There we are. It'll be safe for you to go home now. I, I can go back by the farm. Yeah, that's right. I'll send for you for the trial. Well, Duncan should. Duncan should. Watch where you're going, you dumb... Excuse me. Yes, Marshal. Mr. Hightower, it appears that we can do business after all. Get some paper and a pencil. I want some notices printed. Fire away. Wanted for murder. Wanted for murder. Uh, what's the boy's name? Bonnie. William Bonney. William Bonney. William Bonney. Age 12. Height about five feet. Hair light, eyes blue. Mm -hmm. I don't suppose he's known by any other name. I know. Everybody just called him Billy. Or the kid. Also known as Billy. The kid. Gunsmoke, under the direction of Norman MacDonald, stars William Conrad as Matt Dillon, U.S. Marshal. Tonight's story was specially written for Gunsmoke by Walter Newman, with music composed and conducted by Rex Corey. Featured in tonight's cast were Don Diamond, Parley Bear, Harry Bartell, and Howard McNair, with Richard Beals, Paul Dubov, Georgia Ellis, and Mary Lansing. Join us again next week as Matt Dillon, U.S. Marshal, fights to bring law and order out of the wild violence of the West in... Gun smoke. Those longtime favorites, Amos and Andy, are rising to new heights in their CBS radio series on Sunday nights. 
You've heard on most of these same stations, Amos and Andy find trouble as constantly as ever and make it just as funny and as human as they have for more than 20 years. Be sure to hear Amos and Andy this Sunday, won't you? Right after the Jack Benny Show. This is Roy Rowan speaking. And remember, there's fast, funny quizzing on the Bob Hawk Show every Monday evening. This is the CBS Radio Network. This next one, if memory serves me better, serves me right. I did this group a few weeks ago, and I should have taken better notes. Um, but I think this was about a Mexican guy. But anyway, y'all give it a listen and um, straighten me out. <laughs> if you, or I'll straighten myself out. <laughs> but you can straighten me out too. Enjoy. Around Dodge City and in the territory on West, there's just one way to handle the killers and the spoilers, and that's with a U.S. Marshal and the smell of gun smoke. William Conrad, the story of the violence that moved west with young America, the story of a man who moved with it, Matt Dillon, United States Marshal. Marshal. Marshal Dillon. Over here, son. What's the trouble? Marshal. Why, that's Will Thompson's young and Mr. Dillon. What is it, kid? What's wrong? Dad. Mom. They burned our house. Got the fences. Four of them. My sister. My sister. They, they, they rode in and shot. He's been shot. Hold that lamp down here, Chester. Yes, sir, Mr. Jones. Uh, blood all over the back of his shirt. Will Thompson, he's a homesteader, isn't he? That's right. Came to Dodge City about three months ago. Took up a section over on Mulberry Creek. Uh, Mr. Dillon, you want me to go get the doctor? No. Boy doesn't need a doctor now. The house is right, Mr. Dillon. It's still burning. Yeah, what's left of it is. Watch yourself now, Chester. Yes, sir. No sign of life, though. Whoever did it's probably long gone by now. Mm-hmm. 
No reason to hang around. Now, let's tie up here and look around on foot. Bring up your carbine, Chester. I got it, Mr. Dillon. Yeah, they even fired the corn crib. Now, why would anybody want it? What's there? What is it? It's a dog. Shot. A dog? When they even shoot the dogs, it's a... You see something? Yes, sir. It's Will Thompson. I think it's Will. What do you mean, you think it's what? Scalped. He was Indians, Mr. Dillon. They couldn't have been Indians. Only tribe reported in 20 miles the Kiowas, and they wouldn't do anything like this. They've been peaceful for years. Yeah, I don't know, but... Come on. Let's find out what happened to the rest of the family. Yeah. Besides Will and the boy who rode into town, there's Ms. Thompson and a daughter. Girl about 17, pretty as a picture. Yeah, there's something lying over there by that cottonwood. Yeah, I see. Well, I guess we found Will's wife. Mm-mm. She's alive. Yeah, if you can call it that. Scout around and take a look for the daughter, Chester. Yes, Mr. Uh, uh, it's all right, Miss Thompson. It's all right. It's all right. Mary. My, my daughter. They, they took her. They dragged her away. Dragged her away. Uh, Easy, man. Easy, man. I, I, I tried to stop them. I held on to one of them. He kicked me loose. And his, his spur came off. It's here, somewhere. It's on the ground, somewhere. On the ground. Yeah, I see it. But my daughter... I took her away. My baby. There now. My baby. There now. There now. It's all right. We'll find her, ma'am. We'll find her and then... Miss Thompson? Well, you're better off, ma'am. Dylan? Yeah. Over here in the Willis. I found her. All right, Chester. She's pretty as a picture. I've seen her in Dodge. Walking down Front Street. Pretty as a picture. Yeah. All right, let's ride. We'll look in the Long Branch first, and if Alisco Pete's not there, we'll try the other saloons. I bet his boss is here. He's here every night. Yeah, I know. Follow me in, Chester. Just keep them off my back. I'll take care of the rest of them. Yes, sir. 
Good luck, Mr. Gillis. Yeah, thanks. Well, look who's here. Matt Dillon. Hiya, Kitty. What brings you in, sweetie? Business? A pleasure. It's not pleasure. Ah. Plenty of other men in Dodge, Kitty. Are they? They come in here, don't they? Sure. They come in. I talk to them, and I drink with them. That's my job. You follow me, Matt? I follow you. I'm off at two every night. Kitty, have you seen Holisco tonight? No. He hasn't been in, Matt. Ben Rourke's sitting over there at a door table, though. Good, I'll talk to him. I'll see you, Kitty. Sure, Matt. Sure you will. All right, boys, here's where money talks. I'm raising another hundred and I'll stand pat. Ben? Well, it's the marshal himself. I'd like to talk to you, Ben. All right, Matt, talk. Not here. We'll go over there by the bar. I'm sorry, I'm busy. I got a pat hand and a cinch back. Maybe. This is official, Ben. Meaning? Minute I want to talk to you. Now, right, come on. Take over my hand, Donnelly. I'll be right back. All right, Matt, let's have it. What do you want to talk about? One of your cowboys, Ben. Jalisco Pete. What about him? Know where he is? We're on somewhere, I guess. Why? I'd like to know if he lost his spur recently. Tonight, in fact. It's pretty, ain't it? Mexican silver, needlepoint, Raul, gold, and late. Pete's the only man I know in Dodge who's got a pair like this. All right, I'll see that Pete gets it. He'll appreciate you finding it. I doubt that. I found it lying beside a woman he just kicked to death. Will Thompson and his whole family were wiped out a few hours ago by four night riders. You know anything about it? How would I know about it? Your boys call you King Rourke, don't they? Never heard of one of them pulling anything without being sure you back him up. Matt... Are you claiming I was in on this? You're a cattle rancher, Ben, an open-range man. You boys all hate the homesteaders coming in with their plows and fences. Been a lot of fences cut by night riders. Now it's murder. You haven't named me yet, Matt. A couple of months ago, here in the Long Branch, I heard you say you'd get the homesteaders out of Ford County if you had to burn them out. Well, did you? Sometimes a man gets known as a fast gunslinger and it goes to his head. I asked you a question, Ben. Then he gets himself a tin star and goes around bothering people. Then if you're figuring to draw on me, don't. Why not, Matt? I've seen you in action. You're not fast enough. Now, I asked you a question. And maybe I don't feel like... What's going on in here? Nothing. Oh, there you are, Marshal. How are you, Colonel? Marshal, what's this I hear about an Indian uprising? There's been none that I've heard about. Whole family massacred, the way I hear it, sir. Murdered and scalped. Scalped? Two of them were. So it was Indians. What game are you playing, Matt? Indians don't cut fences, Ben. That's a cattleman's trick. Scalping, too? Could have been an afterthought. It wasn't an Indian who lost that spur. Well, we'll soon find out about it. I'm riding into the Kiowa country with Troop C tonight. I hope you won't do that, Colonel Blake. You know the Kiowas are peaceable enough when you let them alone, but if you push them, they'll fight. True enough, Marshal. But we can't let them get away with it. The Indians weren't responsible, Colonel. I got evidence to the contrary. Give me 24 hours and I'll prove it. Well, I certainly don't relish stirring up a tribal war, but... Just 24 hours. 
Well, all right. Ben, if you know where Jalisco is, you better turn him in. It'll save trouble. When any of my boys need discipline, I take care of it. Not this time. Other people are involved. Homesteaders. Squatting on a measly 320 acres apiece. Ruining the whole country. They got rights, Ben. Who says so? I do. Good morning. Any luck, Chester? No, sir. I just stopped by the jail here to see if you'd found him. I wish I had. I'll head out again in a few minutes. Oh, this fellow's been waiting for you all morning, Mr. Dillon. Is that so? My name's Ezra Hawkins, Marshal. We ain't met before. I got a homestead up the river. Don't leave me much time to get to town. I see. Well, what can I do for you, Mr. Hawkins? Well, it's about what happened to the Thompson family last night. The other homesteaders sort of pointed me to speak for the whole bunch. All right, speak. Well, we want to know what you aim to do about it, Mr. Dillon. I aim to get the killers. When? Mr. Hawkins, I've been up all night trying to get an answer to that question. If you've got any information to offer, fine. If you haven't, the... What's up, Chester? A trail herd's hit town, I guess. Damn, pull up, boys. Pretty side, side city jail. Come on, let's decorate it. Let's go, Chester. Yes, sir. All right. Hold it there. Hold it. My, my. Jail was occupied, boys. You men just blow into town? Great talking to men, Sheriff. These are curly wolves from the very far feet. They're rough as tough as I'll fit in the pan. And you're not talking to the Sheriff. I'm the U.S. Marshal. You the range boss? That's right. Dead Dudley. And what about it? Dudley, we got a new law here against shooting off firearms inside the city limits. Yeah? You mean like this? No, Dudley, I mean more like this. Now, come on down off that horse. Roger, if you don't, he's got a knife. So I see. Nice work, Mr. Dillon. Drag him in and lock him up, Chester. Throw some water on him. Yes, sir. All right, curly wolves. Your boss is jailed and fined $50. She can get him out tomorrow morning. We got the money tomorrow. I said tomorrow. Now on the move. All of you. Get! You handle things right fine, Marshal, once you get started. Thanks, Hawkins. Only trouble is some of us homesteaders are getting kind of impatient. Cavaranch has been treating us pretty bad for too long. The boys are all meeting at my place today. I reckon I can hold them back till tonight. You know what I mean, Marshal. Yeah. I saw it happen in Abilene. Dirty and bloody. I'd hate to see it happen here. Sure, I know what you mean. Range war.
ask any time now. I'm all finished with the autopsy. All right, Doc. It goes pretty fast when you can line them that way, four in a row. Makes the job a lot easier. Yeah, I imagine. Doc, have you ever seen a range war? No, but I hear there's one brewing. There is. Plus Indian trouble. If I don't bring in Jalisco Pete before tonight and find out who his three partners were, you're going to have bodies lined up 20 in a row. Well, it sure bring in a lot of fees. I could retire and buy myself a ranch. Sure, Doc. Oh, that sounds like Chester, Marshal. Yeah, he's been scouting those thickets along the river bottom. Mr. Dillon, I brought in Jalisco. Where is he, Chester? Outside, tied on a pack mule. Good. No, sir. I'm afraid it ain't so good. He's dead. Been shot in the back and scalped. We will return for the second act of Gunsmoke in just a moment. But first, CBS Radio, in cooperation with Time Magazine, makes available to you, free of charge, a valuable convention handbook packed with facts and sidelights about American national political conventions. This convention handbook containing a convention map and box score of interesting pictures and a complete history of this old American custom will be yours if you send a postcard with your name and address to Time, CBS, Chicago 90, Illinois. That's Time, CBS, Chicago 90, Illinois. And now, with William Conrad starred as Matt Dillon, here's the second act of Gunsmoke. A second now, Marshal. Let's see. Here, here, here it comes now. Ah, ah. ah, there's the bullet. If it'll do you any good. It won't, Doc. Uh, the slugs I dig out of the bodies all look alike. Someday, though, they may figure a way to tell them apart. Maybe even tell which gun fired which bullet. Oh, no, not a chance of it, Marshal. Well, I guess that's all I can do for the late lamented. Oh, I see he's only wearing one spur. Yeah, I know. I got the mate to it here. That's what I wanted to talk to him about. Uh, it's too bad, Marshal. His talking days are over. Yeah, somebody made sure of that, all right. And then tried to cover the trail by scalping him. Well, I can tell you one thing. It wasn't done by Indians. That's my guess, too. I've seen how Indians do it. Down in the territory, up in the Dakotas. Slick and clean. Nothing like this. <laughs> I could do a better job with my eyes closed. Yeah, I bet you could. Well, I guess I'd better get ready for the rush. Looks like a showdown, Marshal. And I don't see any way that you can stop. Neither do I. Hiya, Kitty. Business again, Matt? Well, I was looking for Ben Rourke. He isn't here. He left about an hour ago. Some of his boys came after him. Matt, I... I waited for you last night. I worked, Kitty. All night? Yep. 
There's a bad feeling near, Matt. What is it? What's going to happen? I wish I knew. They call all the soldiers from Sea Troop back to Fort Dodge this afternoon. I hear they're planning to move out tonight. I hope not. There's a lot of homesteaders in here drinking today. That's unusual for them. What's going to happen, Matt? The bloodiest mess you've ever seen. And I don't know any way of stopping it. If I'd only found Alisco Pete before they killed him, now I got nothing to go on. Alisco came in here last night, late, after you'd gone. Huh? Well, why didn't you let me know? There wasn't time, Matt. He heard he was wanted and he left right away. His friends with him. Friends? What friends? Oh, I'd never seen him before. I think Pete had known him in the Pecos country. They're all pretty drunk. How many were with him, Kitty? Three, I guess. One of them was named Red Dudley. Red Dudley. And one called himself Tulsa Jim. He kept talking about the Circle Bar yeah, Beat Ranch. it might be. It might be. They could have ridden in last night ahead of the herd to look up Pete and then they... Oh, Marshal. See, you better come on outside here. If you want to stop a lynching. Coming, Doc. Be careful, Matt. Be careful. What is it, Doc? It's Ben Rourke and some of the cattle ranches. They caught themselves an Indian, and they're going to string him up. I doubt it. We know what we're doing. I hope so, Ben. Who have you got here? One of the murdering skunks that wiped out the Thompsons. Any objections? I might work up some, Ben. What's your name, fella? He won't talk to you. He hasn't opened his mouth. Look, fella, as an Indian, you're a ward of the government. I'm a U.S. Marshal. I represent the government. I'm here to protect you. Now, what's your name? Kitoxwa. Work hard. Good man. No kill. What makes them think you did? Say kill people. No kill. He pleads not guilty, Ben. Sure he does. And maybe you can explain why we caught him two miles from my ranch house. Is that reservation? What was he doing there? Mr. Rourke? Maybe I can tell you what he was doing. What? Ezra Hawkins. One side, if you don't mind. Would you let me through in here, please? Thank you. We got tired of waiting, Marshal. We'd come on into town. Maybe that was a mistake, Hawkins. Maybe. You have to play it the way you see it. Look, mister, let's have it. What's this all about? I'm a homesteader, Mr. Rourke. Well, I accept your apology. Weren't no apology. I just wanted you to know who those hundred men across the street were. And they all got guns. A hundred, huh? Well, there's 30 of us, so the odds aren't bad. What's on your mind? This Indian's been working for us, Mr. Rourke. Tracking down fence cutters. Maybe that's why you caught him within two miles of your house. Got the nerve to come out and say what you mean, homesteader. You bet I have, fence cutter. All right, hold it. Now, you're covered, Ben, and you too, Hawkins. This play's gone far enough. Not giving a man a chance to draw, Matt? Not this time, Ben. All right, Katoxa, climb off that horse and get over here behind me. Move slow and stay out of the line of fire. You men... If either side makes a move, Ben and Hawkins will be the first to get it. You understand? Doc, take us in into your office. Oh, shoot, shoot, right away, man. Well, Matt, what's the next step? You can't keep us here with our hands in the air forever. I don't intend to. I got one of the murderers locked up in jail. I want you two to come along and listen to his statement, but leave the questions to me, all right? It's just fine with me, Marshal. Your show, Matt. Good. 
Come on. Chester. Chester. Looks kind of deserted, Matt. He may have gone back to the cells to see. Chester. Ben Hawkins. What's the matter, Matt? Here, I'll get that gag off of him. You cut the ropes, Ben. Right. All right, Chester. Here we go. Easy now. There. What happened, Chester? Oh, they slipped in and got the drop on me, Mr. Dillon. Took Red Dudley with him. There was two of them, not more than 20 minutes ago. Who were they? Did you know them? Nope. Circle Bar B-Boys, I think. They slugged me and thought I was out, but I heard them talking. They were all in with Pete on the Thompson killing. Yeah, I know. And they killed Pete, too. They was afraid you'd make him talk. The question now is, where are they? I know where. They are Kansas rooms. They are Kansas, huh? They planned to hole up there till it got dark. Maybe they've gone by now, though. Maybe not. Want some help, Matt? No, thanks, Ben. It's my job. Mine and Chester's. Come on, Chester, let's go. The room and house is all dark, Mr. Dillon. That doesn't mean a thing. Watch the windows. Yes, you, Dillon. Drop behind that water trough here. Use your carbine. It's more accurate. Yes, sir. All right, Dudley. Come on out. You're under arrest. Come and get it. Fire at the flashes, Chester. That came from the side window, Mr. Dillon. Yeah, tend to one. There's somebody behind the other corner. So... Yeah, there was. Right the front of the building, Chester. Yes, I got one. He's hanging out the window. Yeah, it's two down. Dylan, forty fire. I give up. All right, come on out. Be careful, Mister Dillon. It may be a trick. It's up to him. Come on out, Dudley. Well, hurry it up. I'm coming. I got a, I got a bullet in my leg. I can't hurry very fast. You, you got me all wrong. Watch buddy. it. He's drawing. Ah! Wrong, Chester. He started to. See if you can find the doc and get him to help you pack these things over to the jail. Yes, sir. Right away, Mr. Dillon. Matt? Are you all right, Matt? Yeah. Yeah, I'm all right, Ben. Had a clean sweep, huh? Looks that way. Well, bullets are cheaper than rope. I guess so. Ben? You and your boys aren't murderers like Red Dudley, but this business of fence-cutting can lead to a range war, too. Like it or not, Homesteading's here to stay. There's more of them coming in on every train. I know all that. Those cattlemen built this country, Matt. A few more years, now they'll have us fenced out of it. Times change, Ben. There's range still left out west, New Mexico, Arizona. Yes, I know. Some of us have been thinking about it. Matt, they'll fence you out, too, you know. Yeah, I guess they will. <laughs> well, when that time comes, I'll move on. If I'm still around. Farms and families. Next thing they'll do is set up courts and bring the law in here. Law's here now, Ben. In Dodge City, I'm the law.
Gunsmoke, under the direction of Norman MacDonald, stars William Conrad as Matt Dillon, U.S. Marshal. Tonight's story was especially written for Gunsmoke by Les Crutchfield, with music composed and conducted by Rex Corey. Featured in tonight's cast were Harry Bartell, Lou Krugman, and Georgia Ellis, with Jack Crucian, Barney Phillips, Vivi Janus, and Johnny McGovern. Parley Bear is Chester, and Howard McNear is Doc. Join us again next week as Matt Dillon, U.S. Marshal, fights to bring law and order out of the wild violence of the West in Gunsmoke. Jungle Legacy is the name of tonight's adventure with Tarzan. Listen as Tarzan, Lord of the Jungle, faces a band of unscrupulous men who seek a uranium deposit in Tarzan's realm, through which they hope to rule the world. Don't miss Jungle Legacy tonight, when most of these same CBS radio stations bring you Tarzan. It's packed with thrills, packed with action, packed with tense atmosphere. This is Roy Rowan speaking. Remember, Broadway's My Beat, every Saturday night on the CBS Radio Network. This next one, if memory serves me better, serves me right. I did this group a few weeks ago, and I should have taken better notes. Um, but I think this was about a Mexican guy. But anyway, y'all give it a listen, and... Um, straighten me out <laughs> if you, or I'll straighten myself out <laughs> but you can straighten me out too enjoy around Dodge City and in the territory on west there's just one way to handle the killers and the spoilers and that's with a U.S. Marshal and the smell of gun smoke Gunsmoke, starring William Conrad, the story of the violence that moved west with young America, the story of a man who moved with it, Matt Dillon, United States Marshal. Well, Chester, it's another one, Mr. Dillon, laying near his wagon. The horse was still hitched and was grazing. Another stabbing? Yes, sir, Mr. Dillon. Two buffalo hunters found him early this morning on the road leading out to Cimarron Crossing. We just brought him back. Who was he? His name was Jones, Les Jones. Been in town a couple of days buying supplies, food. Where'd he come from? Well, some of the boys told me he's got a little farm on up the Arkansas piece. Got a wife, too. Pretty little thing, they tell me. Yeah. You know anything more about him? He was at Tad Slade's saloon last night playing faro. Drunk? Oh, he'd had a belt or two, but not drunk. Did all right at the faro table. Pretty much had $2,000. $3,000 and a widow woman on the Arkansas River. Beg pardon, Mr. Dillon? Yeah, nothing, Chester. The money's gone, of course. Yes, sir. Ask Doc to come down when he can, will you, Chester? All right. Doc, come down a minute. Mr. Dillon wants you. Come in! 
Did Jones have a gun on him, Chester? We found a sharp special in his spring wagon. Uh-huh. He wasn't carrying anything on it. It's outside. You want to see it? Had it been fired? No, sir. Good morning, Marshal. Want to see me? I want to ask you a question, Doc. Yeah? There have been two stabbings in two months. Jones makes the third. You think the same person killed the other two? Well, there's no way to be sure, but from the position of the wound and the body, from the angle of the knife's thrust... I think the killer or killers use the same... Doc, answer. I just wanted a simple answer. Yes. I think the same person murdered all three men. Yeah. Any way of telling how long Jones has been dead? Oh, well, I'm not a Pinkerton man, but I'd say sometime after midnight. Between three or four in the morning, maybe. And I'd also say from the amount of bleeding... Okay, Doc. Chester? Yes, Mr. Get Jim? my horse. I'm going to ride out to the Jones place. I figure Miss Jones will want to know. <laughs> Howdy, Bub. I live here. Where are you from? I'm from Dodge. Dodge? Meet you right all the way from Dodge? Sure. Get down and I'll water your horse. All right. Yeah, here you are. What's your name, son? Alvin Jones. My dad is Les Jones. I, I guess you know him, huh? Yeah, sure. I guess most everybody knows him. Uh, your mother in the house? You gonna stay for dinner? Well, I don't think so. Is she in the house? Yeah, she's there. Just go on up. Don't worry about your horse. <laughs> Thank you. Alvin, Alvin, stop that. Don't be It's nothing. not Alvin, Miss Jones. Oh, I am sorry. I thought it was my son. My name is Dylan, Miss Jones. Marshal Dylan at Dodge. Come in, Marshal. Thank you, ma'am. You care for some buttermilk? Or maybe out here men don't drink buttermilk like they do at home. Well, thank you, but nothing for me. Uh, Miss Jones, I got some unpleasantness for you. Yes? It's about your husband. He's in trouble? I left Dodge four hours ago. I thought I should be the one to tell you. He's hurt bad. More than bad, Miss Jones. I pulled the saddle off your horse, mister. Nice good one. Well, thank you, son. Alvin, this is Marshal Dillon from Dodge. The Marshal? Uh... Alvin, your pa won't be home for a while, the marshal said. Well, not for how long? Well, I... Well, not for how long, Ma? Uh, not for quite a time, son, so uh, you'll have to run things a while longer. Make sure I can take care of Ma, all right? Sure you can, Alvin. Uh, would you stay to eat? No, 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 thank you, ma'am. I, I gotta get back to Dodge. Uh... Miss Jones, could I... Yes, Mr. Dillon. Talk to the boy, Miss Jones. Explain it so he won't be bitter. Too many gunfighters got their start from a killing like this. I'll try, Mr. Dillon. I'll try. 
Good afternoon, ma'am. Make sure you got enough whiskey to finish tonight. This Thursday weather. Oh, well, we've got plenty, Mister Slade. If no fight starts, that. Oh, Mister Slade. Huh? It's company coming. Marshal Dillon just walked in. Uh, set that bottle right up on the bar. Howdy, Matt. Join me in a drink. Uh, thank you. I will. What kind of drive? Been traveling? <sighs> yeah, I've been up the river a bit to the Jones place. Jones. Tell his wife she's a widow. Oh, yeah, I heard about that. Too bad. He was in here last night, wasn't he? Oh, yes. Matter of fact, he was. You wouldn't know anything about his being killed. What are you asking me, Dylan? Straight question. Are you saying I killed him? Just asked a question, Slate. I don't know anything. Someone knocked that man after he left here. He was taking a lot of money out of your place. You had a reason. I wasn't even here last night. My partner, Ben Ramirez, was running the place. Where were you? I was with his sister. All evening? Till late enough. Where's Ben and his sister now? I don't know. Home, I guess. I think I'll ride out and have a talk with him. And Slade. Yeah? If you have any big winners tonight, make sure they get home safe. Huh? not at home. Or his sister. <laughs> I am his sister. <laughs> What's the matter? You don't believe me? Well, yes, I'm not, but I thought... You that... thought I would be in the house? Why, when the night is so beautiful. You want to talk with me? I want to talk with your brother. But he's not here. So why not talk with me? My name's Matt Dillon. I... I'm Marshal with Dodge. I know. I've been wanting to meet you. Yeah, I've come on business. I like business. Talk with me. Last night, maybe after midnight, a man was killed on the river road. Killed? By a knife stabbed in the chest. Why do you tell me this? He was carrying $3,000 he won at Slade's. And so? Uh... Tab Slade told me he spent last evening with you. He came for dinner. He often does. He thinks he loves me. Uh, your brother, was he here? Tab Slade and Ben own the saloon together. They're partners. They think at least one should be there all the time. Ben went down after we ate. Did Slade, uh, uh, was he here long? Yes. He's my fiancé. So it's all right. Isn't it, Marshal? 
Why, that's your business, Miss Ramirez. My name is Evelita. You could call me Eve. Well, when do you expect your brother? I don't know what my brother does. He may be home soon. He may be late. I don't know. I've seen you when I go in town, Matt Dillon. Yeah? I don't ride in often. Played such a fool. He and my brother don't like me to come to town. Well, Dodge is rough, Miss Romero. Always he has to protect me. Men are such fools. But Matt Dillon is not so. Are you? You wouldn't keep me out of town? Well, that's not my affair, Miss Ramirez. It'll be for your brother and Tab Slade to say. Tab Slade thinks we will marry. Well, we won't. Because I don't love him. I don't love anybody. But I could. Maybe. And Miss Ramirez, Then you find me attractive. Yes, I'm... Oh, why don't you kiss me? Well, well, no, I didn't mean... No. Dylan? I've got a gun pointed at the back of your head. Ben, I want to... Fooling with another man's fiance isn't smart, Dylan. Ben, please. He'll go inside. All right. Aren't you going to say anything, Dylan? What do you want me to say, Ben? Uh, by this time, most men will be crawling. You're a hard one, Dylan. I can't fight a man who's behind me in the dark with his gun drawn. There, is that better? You can see me now. It takes a small man to make love to another man's woman. You can't haze me into a draw. I'm not trying to. I don't want a gunfight. I just want to talk, Dylan. Well, you're calling it. I saw Slade just a few minutes after you left this place. He told me you were trying to tie us with a murder. I said he was wrong and came up here to get the straight of things. From what I saw a minute ago, he might have been right after all. You'd like his woman, so it'd be handy to have him out of the way. Is that the way you figure it, Ramirez? Yeah, that's the way I figure the it. The only reason I came to your place was to talk to you. I want to find the killer, Mr. Jones, and thought you might be able to help. So you're not going to get any information sniffing around Eve. What's your plan, Murray? I'll give you some advice, Marshal. Tab Slade's been a good friend of me, and I'll help him protect anything that's his. Eve's his, so stay away. You're not going to find a killer while you're saying pretty things. Are you through? All right, then listen to me. You say Slade had nothing to do with those killings. I won't say he did because I don't know, but I'm going to find out who did it, and if it was Slade, I'll get him. Now, do I ride back to town? Yeah, ride back to Dodge, Marshal, and uh, between here and where your horse is tied, don't so much as twitch a finger. <laughs> I don't know whether you're a fool or a brave man, Ramirez, but just let me give you one bit of advice. Don't tire the wrong brand. It's easy to do. Just walk away, Marshal. Your horse. And walk easy. Find out who killed Jones. Let me know. I'll do that, Ben. I sure will. Well, 
return for the second act of Gunsmoke in just a moment. But first... Hello, I'm Kathy Lewis, the girl who plays Jane on My Friend Irma. Irma, tie this string around your finger to remind you that starting Sunday, we go on the air at 9.30 p.m. instead of 6 p.m. Eastern Daylight Savings Time. All right, Jane. Good girl. Now, what's that string to remind you of? To buy some more string? That's My Friend Irma, whom you can now hear on Sundays, 9.30 p.m. Eastern Daylight Savings Time. Remember, My Friend Irma is now heard at a new later time on Sundays. Check your local schedules. Now... The second act of Gunsmoke. Almost four in the morning, Mr. Dillon. Four? Yes, sir. I'm sorry to have to wake you, but you better get dressed and come right away. They've got Tab Slade. Slade? Who's got Slade? Some of the ranchers. They're going to lynch him right in front of his saloon. We'll go and try and hold him for a minute. I'll be right along. Yes, sir. killed another man tonight, and he's going to pay for it. All right, now listen to me. All of you. If Tab Slade killed a man tonight, I'm going to... He did. If you can prove Tab Slade killed a man tonight, I'll take him to jail and hold him there for trial. Marshal, Tab ain't going to be alive to stand trial. Do you know Slade killed anybody? If one of these men lays a hand on Tab Slade, I'll start shooting. There'll be a lot of men dead. How about you, Marshal? Might be you could get hurt, too. That's right, John. You could kill me, all right. But which of you is going to shoot first? And die first? Huh? Well, which one? Chester? Yes, sir. Go pull Slade off that horse. Cut the ropes and take a gag out of his mouth. Yes, sir, Mr. Dillon. And you men, don't anybody make a mistake. Don't you move a shadow. I just... All right, Chester. Now, you and Slade walk back to the far side of the street. Slow. The rest of you just stand where you are, looking right here at me. First man so much as moves his eyes will be in real trouble. Good, Chester. Now, walk Slade down to the jail and put him in a cell for safekeeping. Now, Harrison, you and your boys head for home, and if you got any sense at all, forget to tell your families what you were almost a party to. Now, good night, gentlemen. Chester, what happened tonight? A man named Olson, a rancher, was at Slade's place. Gambling? Yes, sir, and he did pretty fair. 
He left around midnight and was found about two hours later. He'd been stabbed. His money was gone. Uh, you talk with him? Yes, sir. He just mumbled about having tried to be friendly. He said that several times, Mr. Dillon. Just being friendly. Then he said, I fired a couple of times. I think it hit. You mean he hit whoever stabbed him? I think that's what he meant. Uh, you say anything else? Nothing. Well, that's not much help in just that. He can't tell us any more. I'll talk with Slade and I'll bring him out. Huh? Yes, sir. Mr. Dillon wants you, Slade. Matt, you got to believe me. I don't know anything about the killing. This one or any of the others. I don't have to believe anything, Slade. I'll find out But I didn't myself. do it, Matt. Why is everybody sure you did? Why are they know. so sure that they're trying to lynch you? Does a lynch mob have to be sure of anything? Slade, before you came here to Dodge, you were a gunfighter. You had a bad reputation. Oh. You were in with the Kansas Raiders, sure, too. Right. The Raiders were killers and thieves. Some were. Now, when a man with your background goes straight, he's always suspect. But I didn't have anything to do with the killing. What about this partner of yours, this Ramirez? I met him in Kansas. Him and his sister, we joined up and came out here. So we'd make good a team. Where's Ramirez now? I don't know. Matt, please listen You're to me. You're going to marry his me. sister? No. Yeah, Matt, I don't know. Why isn't Ramirez around now that you're in trouble? <laughs> please, maybe he doesn't know. I don't know. He'd know by now. The news is all over Dodge. Chester? Yes, sir, Mr. Dillon? Put Slade back in his cell, then load your shotgun and keep a close watch on him. Well, where are you going, Mr. Dillon? I'm going to take a ride out to the Ramirez place. I want to have a talk with Mr. Ben Ramirez and his sister, Eve. time we talked, you had a gun in my back. Now your gun's on your hip, and it'd be smart to keep it there. I'm not going to try a shootout with you, Dylan. I wouldn't chance it, especially in this lamplight. There'll be no reason for anyone to draw. I just want the answer to some questions. What questions? Where's Eve? What do you want her for? I ask you a question, Ramirez. I want an answer. Where's Eve? She's in bed. Where was she around three this morning? Here, I suppose, asleep. I think you better get her out here, Ramirez. What's so important about Eve? A man was killed this morning, and I think she might have done it. You know what you're saying? Yeah, I know. You're calling my sister a murderer. That's right. And if you're going for your gun, Ramirez, make sure you're ready to die. I told you before, I'm not a fool. But if I can trick you, I'll kill you. Don't try, Ramirez. Why do you say my sister killed a man? No hand around these parts would stop for anyone on the road at night. Not unless it was someone they knew or someone they didn't have to fear, like a woman. Like your sister. You don't know anything, Dylan. You're guessing wrong. I didn't know when I got here, but now I'm sure. What do you mean? The man who died tonight shot at and hit the person who stabbed him. There's no blood on you, but there's blood on the floor over there by the door. 
Blood that could have come from a gunshot wound. That doesn't prove anything. And there's blood on the table by you there. Not blood, it's just a shuttle from the lamp.
dark hair framing her face. The spring grass crushed by her body. A red stain across her silk blouse. The morning sun warmed the soft wind that moved across the land. Later that day, Eve Ramirez and her husband were buried on the outskirts of Dodge City. Not far from the banks of the Arkansas River. And later that night, Dodge City was alive with saddle bums, ranchers, cattlemen. Searching the dark of a Kansas night for excitement and life. Under the direction of Norman MacDonald, stars William Conrad as Matt Dillon, U.S. Marshal. Special music for tonight's story was composed and conducted by Rex Corey. Featured in our cast were Georgia Ellis, Hi Everback, and Jack Crucian, with Richard Beals, Ann Morrison, and Herb Ellis. Parley Bear is Chester, and Howard McNair is Doc. Join us again next week as Matt Dillon, U.S. Marshal, fights to bring law and order out of the wild violence of the West in... Gunsmoke. Don't miss Gangbusters and the case of the variable blonde later tonight on most of these same CBS radio stations. This is Roy Rowan speaking, and this is the CBS Radio Network. sitting comfortable with your shoes off and your legs propped up and everything but it's time to get those shoes back on and get on home again theater's closed for today and uh, we'll have something else for you next week oh next week we're going to do the big show um if you like variety comedy and music and all that kind of stuff together you'll love the big show and um Tallulah Bankhead is the host of it. And so I put two of those together because that'll make a three-hour show. That show is an hour and a half long. And um, so we'll see you next week. And um, if you want to get in touch with Victor, he's on Facebook. I think I already said that. Whose blind life is it anyway? And um, if you want to... Email him. He's at whose blind life is it anyway at 
gmail.com. Lord, I almost said at the big show.com. But, <laughs> um, but y'all have a good week, everybody, and I sure have missed you. Bye-bye. <laughs>